You're listening to the Opie and Anthony channel on Sirius XM. The Ron and Fez show starts. Come on. Now! Well, a lot of people have asked me why did I write that book or any book. All the stories I wrote were true because I believed in what I saw. I was traveling west one time at the junction of the state line of Colorado. It's arid western one and the state line of poor Utah. I saw in the clouds huge and massed above the fiery golden desert of Evenfall. The great image of God with forefinger pointed straight at me through halos and rolls and gold folds that were like the existence of a gleaming spear in his right hand which saith, Come on, boy, go thou across the ground. Go moan for man. Go moan, go groan, go groan alone, go roll your bones alone, go thou and be little beneath my sight, go thou and be minute as seed in the pod, go thou, go thou, die hence, and of this world report you well and truly. Anyway, I wrote the book because we're all gonna die. In the loneliness of my life, my father dead, my brother dead, my mother far away, my sister and my wife far away, nothing here but my own tragic hands that once were guarded by a world, a sweet attention, that now are left to guide and disappear their own way into the common dark of all our death, sleeping in me raw bed alone and stupid, with just this one pride and consolation, my heart broke in a general despair and opened up inwards to the Lord, I made a supplication in this dream. So in the last page of On the Road, I describe how the hero, Dean Moriarty, has come to see me all the way from the West Coast just for a day or two. We've just been back and forth across the country several times in cars, and now our adventures are over. We're still great friends, but we have to go into later phases of our lives. So there he goes, Dean Moriarty, ragged in the moth-eaten overcoat he brought specially for the freezing temperatures of the East. Walking off alone, and last I saw him, he rounded the corner of 7th Avenue, eyes on the street ahead and bent to it again. Gone. So, in America, when the sun goes down, and I sit on the old broken down river pier watching the long, long skies over New Jersey, and sense all that raw land that rolls in one unbelievable huge bulge over to the west coast, and all that road going, and all the people dreaming in the immensity of it, in Iowa, I know by now that children must be crying in the land where they let the children cry. And tonight the stars will be out. And don't you know that God is Pooh Bear? The evening star must be drooping and shedding her sparkler dims on the prairie, which is just before the coming of complete night that blesses the earth, darkens all the rivers, cups the peaks, and folds the final shore in. Nobody. Nobody knows what's going to happen to anybody besides the forlorn rags of growing old. Think of Dean Moriarty, I even think of old Dean Moriarty, the father we never found. Think of Dean Moriarty, I think of Dean Moriarty.
Our buddies, it's the Ron and Fez Show. Artist of the Day, Grateful Dead, which basically announces the start of the summer. Next week is 4th of July week, so a very, very big portion of the country will be off, enjoying themselves. But I have to tell you the truth, when I was a kid, I used to get a little panic at 4th of July because it felt like summer was halfway over. And it just felt like, holy shit, they're going to pull us back into school very quickly. June is filled with possibilities because it's like that's the first month and it's like, oh, this is amazing. It's never going to end. That passes the time. Hold on. Let me, just, off. let me just write that down because it's so beautiful. Do that. June is filled with possibilities. Yeah. But the passage of time cuts your dick off. Now, there's one line in this beautiful poem I would like to would like you to work on. Yeah. You know, and this is why you need an editor. You need somebody to say, I love what you're doing here. But the last line gets a little um, lazy slash scary. I thought it had a nice punch. To I know, emphasize. but it's going to keep us out of libraries and schools. And I... You don't understand how big that is for us. Bullshit. Um, don't fight for it. You know what I mean? I'm here for you. Oh, I'm on, not man. against you, all right? This is I'm my trying art. to get you out there. These are my words. All right, I'm just going to leave it as a one-line poem. <laughs> June is filled with possibilities. But it's, it's weird when you were a kid. Summer feels like a very long, fantastic thing. And now you really, as an adult, you don't even become aware that it's summer until people say, hey, what are you doing for the 4th of July? Then you're like, holy shit. Right. And then suddenly it's Labor Day. And then it's like, what, what happened? Another wasted summer. Yeah, and then your Sundays are filled with football, so you're like, I can't do anything else. <laughs> now I have a reason to gamble every <laughs> single week. It's, awesome. It's uh, a very, very strange thing, but the dead... Kicks it off, Kerouac into the dead. We've been doing that for uh, uh, a long time. And it's, uh, well, I, I'm going to show you a picture that was sent to me. Well, it was sent yesterday, but I didn't see it till this morning. It comes from our own Kathleen from the Bronx, Herm Bri Bri. Look at this picture and see if you can tell me where they are, Chris Stanley. Oh, shit. Are you on that? Can I throw out a guess? Yeah. Big Pink? They're in Woodstock. That's sick. And they went out and checked out Big Pink. Um, this is minutes before they broke into the home oh, wait, wait, and ransacked it. It's terrible. Well, there was there's copper in that uh, plumbing. They cut so, off Paulo's head? <laughs> yeah. So uh, off they went. No, they're <laughs> doing a... To me, this is a nice summary type thing. Go find out where the band and Dylan recorded. Uh... And tomorrow, I believe, is Kathleen's birthday. Oh. Uh, that scary year, 27. So same as Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Hendrix. Let's just hope she's not part of the 27 Club. Don't do it, Kathleen. You stay safe. Oh, the cops Don't become fun. a legend. Whatever you do. Um... Here is uh, Greg in New Hampshire. You're on the Ron Fez Show. Uh, hey, boys. Happy summer. That opener does it for me. You've been hearing it for years now, and it feels real. Uh, anyways, hey, 
Pepper and heading up to Maine on the third to see uh, Fish start their summer tour and then three nights over at Saratoga. Summer's here, baby. Hope to see you at Saratoga. That's what's up. What, where are they playing in Maine? Is this an outdoor thing? Oh, he's gone. That quickly. He had his little thing. And then I've got to jump out. Come on, you get to throw out some more fucking. It's like having a guy talk to you as he's jumping out of an airplane. He's just <laughs> like, what? What happened? Fuck. Well, a few of their uh, festivals have been Maine, and those were I've been a couple of those, and they're amazing. And they're just out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. In the middle of uh, one was in a middle uh, an old uh, airfield. And it was like 80,000 people for fucking three days just listening to fish. Yeah, airfields are always the hottest places. There's asphalt on the ground. It's nice. Already. Camping on some tarmac. It's, um... Uh... You know, you go out of your way to say to yourselves, look, this is easy for us. Don't really care about you, the audience. But it's easy for us to set up here. Uh, there's roads leading up to it. You guys stay in the mud pit out there, in a giant pit of mud yeah. that's totally uncomfortable and shitty. Yeah, pay $300, do that. And scene. And that's what happens with Chris Stanley. He'll jump into an improv and just become uh, the band manager. Uh, Glenn, you're on the Manifest Show. Hey, buddies. It's, it's funny you're playing the Grateful Dead today, because I, um, I I just had this conversation last night. I was at a jam show in a bar in Philadelphia last night, and I don't think there's a more dis- divisive type of music than jam music. Um, and, like People like don't like rap, and people hate country. I think those would be second and third, but I think you either love jam music or you hate it. No, I, I'm actually going to disagree and say most music is divisive and unlike a lot of things they will go out of their way now to tell you uh, quite frankly music didn't used to it used to be uniting if you look at all that like the first woodstock how many types of music that they had you would never have i mean first of all uh the uh the new dance music the electronic yeah the edm is incredibly divisive metal is incredibly divisive where people either it's like the only music they like cult like yeah or the music that they hate but i like calling it what it is halloween rock uh punk music you either love it or you hate it uh obviously any kind of r&b and hip-hop now incredibly divisive even top 40 the people who hate the Miley Cyrus, Justin Bieber thing, way out of proportion because you're an adult. You don't need to sit around and scream. And when you're acting like our music was better, look at the top 40 from the 80s, the 90s, or the 70s. It's for little kids. It always has been for little kids. People don't get it. They just want to hate. People love to hate on things. There's got to be music for 14-year-old girls, though. And that's always been... You know, uh, top 40 radio music. Don't you guys think One Direction sucks? Yeah, I guess so. But again, uh, that's just like saying children suck. They even play their own instruments, man. It's like some corporation just dragged all these kids together just to shoot them out to sell uh, records. Unlike the Temptations, who (laughs) never played their own instruments. I mean, most of the Motown bands were just... I don't... Wait, maybe all of them were just singing groups. Not any of them were... Actually playing instruments. So, yeah, music is incredibly uh, divisive. But if you take a look, now most things are. Uh, when you talk about people, whether they go to a museum or not, they get furious if 
they feel like modern art makes fun of them and they feel stupid. And film has become this, are you a comic book fan or do you like you know, other types of, uh, of movies that make you think or feel? And the online culture helps people, helps the... Uh get their people's opinion out, which is usually hating on things and shitting on them. Because well, everyone can start a Tumblr or whatever. Or I, I, I will just tell you right now, go to any IMDB page, and it doesn't matter what it is, they will tell you that movie sucks or that actor sucks. <laughs> uh, that you can have people sit around, Philip Seymour Hoffman blows. Really? Because that's fucking impossible. He was a twister, right? What kind of... What? But then you gotta... But sometimes... Or some people are like, he was great in Twister. <laughs> and then he started to get into... <laughs> it's crazy. It's every opinion going fucking fighting against each other. So, really, you can't find, to me, anything more dickish than somebody who goes to uh, any kind of... Um, any kind of shit online and writes anything negative about music. It's just like, if it's not for you, it's not for you, but there's no reason to show up and start acting like you're furious. Uh, Cody, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, what's up? Yeah. Uh, I disagree with you a little bit on the 70s pop music. I don't think it was all for little kids, because if you listen to those old uh, American Top 40s from the 70s, they're playing everything from Stevie Wonder to Deep Purple to well, Willie Nelson. They're, they're you, good music. Yeah, but if you, they're also playing Billy Don't Be a Hero and fucking uh, the the Franco Family. And there's just there was certain bands that were just for kids. And yes, even today, Adele will get a fucking hit, but that she does not represent the top forty. There's always going to be that thing that some things will be popular that are good. Um, here is uh, Andy. Andy, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, with uh, summer concerts kind of in full swing here, I wanted to ask you, you and Pepper, if you remember your first concert and uh, and which one was it? I'll give you a hint. Yeah, the great Pete Frampton. Uh, my first show is Henry Rollins' band. Oh. Fillmore East. Wow, that's really fucking cool. Yeah, it was pretty dope. I, it was, since it was my first concert. Like so that was ear. like a reopened Fillmore East in yeah. the, uh, what, 90s? I guess, yeah, yeah, late 90s. I did not even know that that, that place even reopened at, a, at any time, because I know it closed in the 70s, um, but but you're telling us reopened. I guess without Bill Graham. Yeah, under yeah, under a different under a different it was under a different name, but same building. It was mm -hmm. the Fillmore, yeah. That's very fuck oh it was under a different name? Yeah, it's a different name, but it was What was uh, it called? Why the hell can I I can't remember the name of the goddamn venue now. Pepper's House of Fucking Sausage. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> So how was Henry Rollins your first time? You're like, holy fuck. Yeah, it was nuts. This is the coolest thing that's ever happened. Smoke Marlboro Lights in the crowd. Um, <laughs> Blow my ears out. Kevin, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. How are you doing this morning? Good. Hey, uh, you were talking about Motown bands that didn't play their own instruments. I can't. I don't know if you could classify them as Motown, but what about like Earth, Wind, and Fire? Yeah, they were not Motown. Family Stone. Neither one of those were a Motown band. You can be black and not be Motown, sir. Thank you for your okay, racism. Thanks. 
Motown was an actual label. It's not fucking white people's code words for black. I, oh, uh, Motown, um, Dr. J. He was fucking great. No one ever brings that up. Jay-Z was great in um, his Motown label. Also, Martin Luther King was a great Motown leader. Um... And like, look, I'll just look in. Uh, Carla Finch, this is not Black Friday music, and the dead stink, in my opinion. Jesus. No one asked you, Carla Finch. And if you notice, we switched out yesterday with today. Um, and then Mavis says, yeah, oh yeah, gonna do some dabs to this shit. Oh, hell yeah. I Smell Bit says, meh. Maybe that guy should just get some more dabs. Sure. That shit never even came in the mail for me. Still pissed about that. Dan, you're on the Running Fest show. Yeah, uh, Ronnie, the quintessential summer concert is Southside Johnny at the Stone Pony, July 3rd, every summer. Outdoors, across the street from the ocean, uh, a great rockin' night. That That uh, uh, is a tight little lot there, though, isn't it? Oh, it's unbelievable. Better than ever. It's, um, what I say by that, that... that little parking lot next to Stone Pony where they would do outdoor shows. It's not very large. And then chain kind of linked in. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just like a pen, and you just feel like, <laughs> huh. So this is what cattle will go through. Oh, yeah. I saw the jam band Mo there a couple summers ago. And you are. <laughs> no, it's just the band Mo. Well, they picked up a lot of fish uh, heads after fish broke up for the second time. Did they be then become Mo heads? Yeah. Uh, Eric, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hello? Yeah. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, uh, the Funk Brothers were the, uh, were the band for the Motown groups. Yeah. Like, like the band was... The yeah, we're film. very, very familiar with those guys we went and saw them play before, but they weren't an actual band. They were a group of studio musicians. Uh, and they all didn't play on every single record. But yeah, and they all didn't, by the way, they didn't go out on tour. They stayed and kept recording. Um, so those were basically hired musicians on those Motown tours. But I would have loved to have uh, seen any of those Motown tours. Uh, Jeff, you're on the Run of Fish show. Hey, Ronnie, what's up, buddy? Yeah. Uh, uh, Pepper, got one for you. Fish, best summer concert. Oh, the It Festival, dude. The It Festival from, like, 2004 was one of the best shows of my life. More like shit festivals. No, no. no I'll say the next festival after that was a shit festival, the Coventry Festival. I like, uh, Fish is one of those bands that people who do not or are not into it feel the need that they're being left out of something and they have to act dickish. <laughs> oh, oh, so much hate. Like, uh, you are not going to tell me. Uh, HTG is here today. Her... Summer song, of course, Havo Nagila. Um, <laughs> For many years. This is your first year not being at summer camp. No, I, it's been a couple of years. <laughs> I did go to I did go to summer camp every summer growing you, up. Though. You are sitting in the Paul O chair today, oh. so has it been aired out? <laughs> no, but I'll be launching some uh, some jokes your way because <laughs> I I'm into that Paulo thing. Um, Rob Cross just said to me, how come Paul O can roll with it without panicking? And I go, well, that's that's Paul. That's our Paul. It's all Paul all the time, baby. Miss him already. Yeah, me too. I was hoping he'd still be here. I really wanted to see that copper top. 
Copper Top is just the latest of many Polo looks. <laughs> wonder how many more Florida shirts he has. He's uh, one of those guys that whatever his hair is going to be. Well, I'm glad that you're here, HTJ. I wanted to uh, get something going. This is up on the iBank today. And you're like a social media person, and none of us are, so uh, you could uh, help us out here. Now, Alec Baldwin uh, went to the James Gandolfini show, and his wife was apparently tweeting during the, and this is the Uptown one that David Chase talked at it all, no. at the funeral, and uh, his wife was tweeting during it, um, I, I imagine, before it. So this guy at the Daily Mail wrote up this story about how she tweeted. Alec uh, lost his shit um, when after the guy so bad that eventually Alec just got around to saying he quits Twitter. Yeah, and he's done with this uh, shit forever. Um, is it such an awful thing to tweet from a funeral? And I'll open it up to the people at home. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. When to tweet? When not to tweet? Now we've gone through this. Uh, people tweeting during movies. Uh, I forget who just wrote it up the other day. David Edelstein, I think, wrote up about how he cannot put up with the amount of people who tweet. And this took place at BAM, which you would expect to be this great theater, bothered him. Now, nobody in the at the funeral was bothered, but this guy went out of his way to go, oh, how odd, tweeting during a funeral. Alex said to him, uh, I'd stick my foot up your ass, but I know you'd end up liking it. And he called on his Twitter followers, the Baldwin pest, if you will, uh, which is mainly his brothers. That's enough. Though. Yeah, yeah, they're ready. That's they're ready lot. to throw down. Yeah, they're ready to get Irish on this whole thing to go after this little queen. Now, do you think it's so awful to tweet um, pre-funeral? Pre-funeral. Well, I mean, you're we're, sitting we're, in the church. You're sitting in the church. Yeah, but I don't think that the. Uh, minister or anybody has come up yet. Gosh, uh, you're, you're sitting in. The, I, I will definitely overuse my phone in places where you know a lot of people would think it's out of line. You tweet in a movie occasionally. That's bad. Only if I'm sitting in the very back row and I'm covering and it's dark and but but not you know during the movie. That's where I go to smoke. But I'll do it during. <laughs> <laughs> you know, while I'm at lunch or at a restaurant with people or at a family event. But this, I would be absolutely humiliated if the person with me did it. I would never do it myself. I would feel like the people who you were supposed to be there um, to be a part of something with them might see it. And, and I would never want them to see that I was writing something. Right, but let me give you another side of this. If it's all about honoring Gandolfini... Why does this fucking guy in Britain feel the need to follow someone that's tweeting? If you've got five, ten minutes before the service starts yeah. and you answer someone back right, or you fine. retweet someone. Because if you look at this, it seems like that's how it took place. And most of the time when people when when people show up here, uh, 
they're either tweeting right before, I'm going into the show, or sometimes their publicists are tweeting in the corner. Yeah. Well, all right. First of all, his behavior, I think, is worse than hers, but he would have the argument of, I, I don't care about James. I'm not there to pay respect to him. It's not my responsibility to be respectful to James Gandolfini. But if, you know, all right, if you're talking about it's you're waiting around, there's no doubt that anytime you're waiting for anything, you get kind of bored and you go to your phone to see what's up and let me check in on my phone stuff. So if it really is, you know, bef completely before the service starts and you're just sort of waiting around, other people are talking to each other, no, I've got no problem with that. We used to have a thing in my family uh, at a wake where someone would say, let's go check on the ball game. And then you would go out to the car, and there would be a bottle in there. And that was considered almost like you would put the ball game on, but you'd have a couple of pops. And try. Why, is, why would it be okay to check on the ball game, but not okay to have a couple of pops? The, the reality, well, because, you know, that was the whole thing. Of just, <laughs> it was a tradition right. to say, let's go check on the scores, and you would you know, have a couple shots out there. But it was a well-known fact in my family that, you know, you're going to be drinking after anyway, and right now you need a little something to get through. Yeah. People handle their nerves at a funeral differently if this pregnant woman who, <laughs> let's face it, was there to support her husband, who was supporting Gandafini. Right. You know, she's not a family member. What if she just says, hey, Rachel Ray, thanks for that thing, and, you know, what's the big deal? Hicks, you got a problem with this. Uh, for my generation, this will be the norm. During services, it's going to, people are going to be tweeting. It's, there's just no, there's no space that's un, it's not sacred. Your, your generation is Generation Y bother. Yeah, it's um, Generation Y. Here's I, Eric, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hello? Your phone, go ahead, buddy. Oh, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I think it has uh, a lot to do with the uh, the context of the tweets. Like, if she's tweeting about what's going on in the funeral, like, you know, like, I'm so sad, blah, 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 David Chase is speaking, stuff like that. I think that would be uh, worse. Okay. I honestly but, think that that would be worse than returning a work or a friend-related tweet. But to be able to sit there and go like this, oh, God, I'm looking at Hicks. He's crying his ass up. I can't believe Dave's dead. This is really shocking to me. I was just talking to him the other day. That would be weird, but um, I don't think waiting for this thing to to begin and, you know, tweeting back a couple times is so awful. Hey, Corey in Dallas, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Uh, yeah, I sort of agree with what uh, I think Pepper was touching on. Is nothing sacred. Nothing sacred. I've worked in uh, restaurants and bars for the last 10 years of my life, and I've already saw that's killed human communication. People play solitaire rather than talk to their family members at dinner. That's gone out the window. Next is uh, we can't really respect the dead. We don't have time respect to that because uh, I gotta go check Twitter real quick. It's ridiculous. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, your fact of is nothing sacred. We are in a time where we each individually decide what is sacred. We certainly don't follow. Most people don't follow the teachings to the of the church to the letter. So if you don't, then how can you sit around and say how someone else should mourn? We used to have 
really steadfast rules of here's the way to mourn, here's the way to bring a baby into the world, here's the way to get married. But now that they're all over the place, if you're saying is nothing sacred, I would say yes to that. Nothing is 100% agreed upon as sacred. Because you have to remember... The people themselves never made up the rules to what is sacred. It was taught to them, and then they followed it. Now, I've checked my phone, you know, while waiting before a funeral to start. I wouldn't do it in front of the family, you know, and 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 if it was going to be an extended thing, I would probably step outside or, or go to the bathroom or something, so it wouldn't be as obvious. I think you, going to the bathroom at a funeral is just the you, most disgusting thing I've ever heard of. Unbelievable. But, yeah. <laughs> but the only difference here is that other people know about it. So if you, if you if if it's not during the service, if it was during the service, I think it's way out of line. I think that she probably, if she tweeted anything, it was either before or after the service part. I doubt very much that why priest was leading this congregation. And by the way, let me just say this about the Gandolfini uh, family. To do your own private thing and then go and do this one that was pretty much, I believe, open to the public. Thousand seats. People went uptown for this. I found it to be incredibly moving and I thought it was really a sweet thing to include people into that. I saw it on uh, some of it that they showed on TV. I read David Chase's uh, thing, which I thought was fantastic. So everything about this I thought was great. All right, before I get back into this some more, um, someone sent me an email. Mm. I know I shouldn't be reading emails while I'm talking, but <laughs> it's okay. I do it. Nothing sacred. It's under this heading, Pepper is retarded. Yeah. The Fillmore East he is referring to wasn't the real Fillmore East on 2nd really? Avenue. Oh. He went to the rebranding Irving Plaza, oh, no, okay. <laughs> which they called the Fillmore for a bit. Okay. So you went to Irving Plaza. Irving Plaza, yeah. Okay, which is fine. Cl close. Um, here is uh, Craig in Nebraska. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. Maybe I'm off, but it just seems like this is just another case of false outrage by some turd that wants to get his name out there and I mean, the genie's out of the bottle, man. Social media is blown up, and anytime anybody does anything, there are these, these trolls that just look to see, you know, that somebody's fucking up, and I'm going to point it out. You know, it's just because it's assholes, you know? They have to make themselves feel better. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, that's the No, I, I have to agree with you. I think if you're spending the time watching other people's etiquette, Right? I think there's a certain amount of bad etiquette in that. Um, the, now, this probably, for most of us, would have just gone by if Alec Baldwin had went, once again gone batshit and started fucking lashing out to the guy. Crazy, crazy threats. Yeah. Well, and as, as long as you're not disrupting other people, you know, for me, I've always felt like I've seen people come to funerals in jeans because they didn't have... You know, they weren't able to get somewhere to change or they didn't have other clothes. A lot of people don't have formal clothes anymore. And that I'm fine with. But if people come into a funeral and they're giggling, you know, if you're doing something that's right, not going to infringe on other people. Let's go back into the jeans thing, right? Yeah. If it's a funeral for a guy who pretty much only wore jeans his whole life and now you're sticking him into his first suit, <laughs> it starts to be, I think that that we have decided more or less that ritual 
is not really needed in this, or at least not needed in the same formal fashion as it used to be. Or at the very least, the circumstances matter. Like you said, if it's a guy who never wore jeans his whole life, not only should you not be sticking him in a suit, but maybe you got everyone else showing up kind of casual makes sense for that situation. Or whatever. I I don't think it's thought of that much. If Chris Stanley, the only time he is going to put on a suit is when he finds himself uh, in court. You know what I mean? He's going to be forced... Uh, into a suit. Um, I mean, someone showing up and paying their respects to begin with—that they should. If there's a credit system, if there's a demerit system, then you would think they should get credit for being there. That alone should count as as a worthy thing to do to show up, regardless of whether they show up according to your standards. Um, particularly when you're on the other side of the world, sitting there monitoring tweets. <laughs> So that you can put it up. I don't know how you're now uh, holding the fucking door open for etiquette. Uh, Dave, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, how's it going, Ron? First, Good. I was thinking like we could put a we could put a giant TV screen over the casket, but I think we should just embrace it now and have the casket with like the like the Times Square logo. Just keep running through with the tweets like you're watching a TV show now. I see you're being satirical to make a point. Um, Charlie, you're on the Run of Fez show. Johnny B, as a lifelong Alec Baldwin fan, it's hard for me to take sides. Alec Baldwin always gets a pass. He plays a, a conceited jerk doctor in Malice. He does the uh, the, the voiceover in Royal Tenenbaums. I, I can't go against Alec. Now, if, it was a, if it, my mother was dead and some bitch was texting, yes, I'd start swinging at somebody. Okay. Alec Baldwin always gets a fucking pass. Uh, he gets a pass because of his wonderful work in Malice. And um, his chick gets, if he gets a pass, his chick gets a pass too, I guess. His chick really, you know, if it was up to her, she probably wouldn't have been there. I've yes. been dragged to fucking funerals before. Well, quite frankly, I didn't know the people, and I have to do this thing. Hey, I'm sorry for your loss. That's always uh, so. Really sorry for your loss. And she can't really go sit in the back because yeah. she's there with Alec Baldwin. And then somebody like an aunt will say to you, um, wasn't she wonderful? I can't tell you whether she was or not. I'm just here, <laughs> you know, being supportive overall. But from what I understand, I mean, this is a nice turnout. <laughs> yes. Yes, she's wonderful. See, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether there's, is there going to be reception after, and I don't know whether there's hot plates or just sandwiches. Because I might stop on the way there and then get a little bite. If it's a Jewish funeral, you don't have to go get a bite. There's going to be so much food. Come and yeah, eat. Yeah, but is it edible? Come you have a I mean, I mean, oh, I don't yeah. want a fucking tongue. I don't want to no. sit there and eat a tongue. No, you're going to get platters. Ugh. No, it's not gefilte fish buffet. All right, well, then why don't you come to an Irish funeral? Make sure you got good seats for the fight later. It's actually a little <laughs> embarrassing and uncomfortable the way that people will emphasize, come over and have... What are we going to do with all Here, this Here's food? what I heard at every funeral or wake, is, but we would always say, till because uh, the thing before, um, you'd always hear this yelled out. Your family owes my family an apology. <laughs> and when you heard that, it meant kids. It was on now. Back up. Back up, kids. Your family owes my family an apology. And it would always be some leftover thing. But then even the women would say, well, this is a good thing because it gets. Because they don't know how to cry, so let them. Pop the bubble. Do, yeah, of emotion. yeah, let them do this. 
But, you know, I will still follow most of the rules and traditions, and I will be uncomfortable myself, you know, to go outside of that. To be anything outside of I'm here and I'm sad feels uncomfortable to me, but, you know... That doesn't mean you can lord that over everybody else in the room. I think as long as she's outside the funeral, that's fine. But once she goes inside, then it's off limits. But who, who, what are you basing this on? You, that's like saying two people in a funeral. You've never been to like a funeral and somebody doesn't go, Hey, how's your dad doing? And you're like, Oh, he's, he's doing good. And I tell you, you know what I mean? You, you do those social things and you can't act like they're not important to that. But everybody will be like, Oh, God, I haven't seen you since you were a little kid. It's great to see you. And, and people are doing yeah. more things than just mourning. And when you think that it's not about that, then I don't think you know why the ritual started to begin with. It's not about that person alone. It's about the community and the community saying, this is hurtful, but we're still a community. We're still a family. We're all still here, and we go on. But when, when we're all deciding who gets to do what, that's the exact opposite of being in a community. Well, it, that's that's going out of your way to find people who don't fit in. If you're looking around to see who's on their phone, then you're you're not respecting the situation. But if you did look around at a funeral, you would see most people at least at some point glancing over at their phone because you can't be off and out of touch anywhere. At people worry, you but, know, but let's get beyond it. Let's, let's go to the central thing: Baldwin and his wife went to pay respects to Gandolfini and their family. That's a nice thing. It's a nice thing. He wasn't in that show, so he has as much connection to them as you do. You know what I mean? It's a nice thing. He's part of the acting community. We came up to pay our respects. I think to fuck with him about that is crossing a line. It's always nice when someone shows up. And and it's one thing to make a comment to the person neck, can you believe she's tweeting, but to make a big deal out of it, to turn it into a, you know, uh, a scarlet letter situation, that's really out of line and disrespectful. I think with just my feeling, I would think the funeral is your last chance, your last hour, hour and a half to spend with that person and maybe his family. Concentrate on that, not Rachel Ray. There's a thousand people there. You're not, you're just showing up to be part of that. And this whole thing is, I'm going to put my focus somewhere for an hour and a half. You do. These are a couple of tweets. And I also feel like this is disrespectful to Rachel Ray, who's also a human <laughs> being. And I'm very serious. Rachel Ray's name plays a fucking piece of this. Like, oh, what could be less important than Rachel Ray? <laughs> She's a fucking true, person. She's a human being. Um... Here's uh, Mark. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, hi, Ron. Yeah. First of all, the thing about the fight at the funeral, uh, my mother died, God bless her, five, six years ago. And even at my mother's funeral, the line came up as, what's that bitch doing here? There always was yeah. one person. Always. It's person. always going to be there. And there's those. That yeah. Here. That's and why that character, Church Lady, was so fucking dead on. Because, uh,. When you get into, here's what everyone should be doing. That's the that's the person with the least connections to community of everyone. When they decide, here's what has to be done in this. You know they don't care about the other person. Like, if uh, there are some people, they get upset if a kid comes to a funeral and the kid's running around or yeah. whatever. The people who like kids find that to be funny. The people who find that the, the, the older person who talks too loud, 
this is part of it. This is what it is. You're all together, but you're certainly not walking lockstep like a bunch of fucking Nazis. There is a type of person that designates themselves the funeral police. They will watch everyone after the funeral ends. They'll they'll gather in a group to say, "Can you?" Be-? And they'll go. Through but they're a list. also baptism police, fucking wedding reception police. They're fucking church ladies. They're old fucking bitches, and you can be young. To be uh, and still be an old fucking bitty. But how can you consider yourself? How can you complain about other people's disrespect when you're give? That is disrespectful to the person who's died. That's what I. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like uh, the, the rule Fez said, uh, showing up here, but then not doing that. If we were at Chris Stanley's, do you think that he wants rules for his funeral? Is that mm-hmm. really paying respect Fuck no. for a guy who doesn't give a shit about anything? That's right. You can't. One funeral does not fit all. Light a fire, my fucking funeral. In the case of the Gandafinis, and again, I think this is amazing. They open that up to the public. You know, so you had regular people, plus the governor of New Jersey and David Chase, and you know, celebrities, all mixing together. Because that's how Gandolfini touched people on many different levels. Well, and I don't think even if it were even on a smaller, and I'm not talking about a closed funeral where people ask not to attend, but even in a smaller situation, I don't think there should ever be pointing to someone of can you believe they showed up the nerve? You know, they're not, they weren't close, or they weren't, you know, they haven't been around in years. But it doesn't see, matter. Is, Showing up is a show of respect, and that should be there, appreciated. There are people that will say, can you believe? He showed up here drunk. But there's some people that can't walk into that place unless they're fucking loaded. They cannot. They don't have uh, other people's ability to do this. Some people cry too loud at a funeral. Some people just turn cold. Some people start to make fucking jokes because they're, if they don't, they don't know what they're going to do. And people are different. I actually once at a funeral that was someone very close to me and very sad, uh, someone said something next to me that made me laugh. And I was so, oh, you know, my emotions were so tight that oh, I couldn't. What, what's I had to walk out. Okay. But oh, it was no disrespect God. intended. Oh, it was God. No. running out of a funeral screaming oh, laughing. Oh, my God. That's the worst thing I've ever <laughs> can't heard. can't even imagine. All right, now I'm on Fez's side. That's terrible. It was certainly not intentional, not meant any disrespect. It came across that way, though. Yeah. I'm it's sure a disrespect. It like, and your family owes my family an apology. <laughs> um... Antoine, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, it's 2013. Who gives a shit if you texting at a funeral? I text and tweet while I'm pissing. Why? Why is the funeral out of the question? So you. Well, you answer that one, Fezzy. What? Tell him what he's doing wrong. I just, I think that it's like a nervous habit. You wouldn't sit there and you know cut your nails or something. No, but at you a would funeral. talk at a funeral, right? Yeah, you would talk to the people next to you when you're at a church, and that's that's the same concept. I don't think that we think of communication as grooming. Uh, you're basically uh, people use the waiting room now as an opportunity to do fucking business. They just do uh, the to last, stay connected. The last funeral I went to um, was someone very close to me and very recently, actually, and I saw a lot of people there that I haven't seen since I was a kid. Friends of my family that are just, you know, we've all scattered, but this person meant so much to everyone that we were all together for the first time in years. 
not only you know you couldn't help but be glad to see some of the people even though the circumstances were not the best and i did have someone approach me in business and want to uh, that does happen a lot i mean if you're at a dc funeral or a, uh, a downtown funeral here business get you know what is going to happen what now what goes on life does go on Life is for the living. And personally, knowing the person who had died as I do, she would have loved that that brought people together and brought people a chance to reconnect and, and to see each other and to be glad to see each other. Um, I always, when I go to a funeral, I take a ball and a glove in case anybody <laughs> wants to have a catch. Or at the very least, I just sit and just bounce the ball up against the wall and catch it. But I think that's different if you're there at the funeral and you're talking with each other. Even if you're joking around and stuff, I think you're all part of that funeral experience. When, you, when you're in the funeral and you're tweeting out about something completely different, then you're not being in that moment with those other people. I think you've taken yourself out of it. it we do take ourselves out of it. When you're joking, you're taking yourself out of it. When you're acting the ass, you're taking yourself out of it. People do... Uh, when you are not being understanding of the way other people deal with their emotions, that's when you're being judgmental. You know, if, if we went to a funeral, let's suppose... Uh, oh, let's say Pips died. Oh, yeah. And Chris Stanley... You know, you show up and Chris Stanley's in the back row. He can't sit any closer. Mm -hmm. That's because that's what it takes from the deal. I normally think, look at poor Chris. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to, you know, be part of things. That frail body, dead, yeah. no. There's plenty, yeah. There's plenty of times. Now, let's face it. We're going to bury Pips. He'll be yeah. the first one gone. He's good as dead, yeah. I mean, he's basically... <laughs> he's going to eat a peanut and his fucking <laughs> liver's going to We explode. actually hired him from the Make-A-Wish program. <laughs> That's how sickly this young man is. He's got nothing inside. Now, I'll jump on Fez's side for one second that if it's someone, you know, if it was the funeral of someone in this room right now and someone else in this room was texting about Rachel Ray and, and food things, I would probably be put off by that and, and, and I don't think I'd I write would you an be, article, but... Would you be put off of this? My funeral and Fez doesn't show up. Yeah, of course. And I'm going to Why turn into the funeral police. He's going to... We're going to spend that time as we spend our life. I will, no respect. I will ultimately forgive and, and, you know, say, you know, hey, that's what he needed. But there will be a time where I will sit and say, I can't... You're judgmental. believe... Fest. Why am I saying effing? I can't fucking believe All Fez right, didn't watch show. It. What the... Come watch on! It, wow, Jesus Christ! Fez Wally, should be Wally's there. Back there. He's Fez, not going to be there. Show up. He is not. I will be there, but I don't think you're going to go first. I know for a fact, <laughs> from several things that happened, I'm not going to get into them. You won't be there. I've got people in my family that'll keep you from coming into that funeral. <laughs> well, if it I'm would barred, be, I won't be able to go. It would be like an old horse showed up on fucking heroin. <laughs> You know what I mean? How disrespectful that would be. Oh, yeah, he used to uh, use that old whore, and he paid her off in heroin. Well, if Fez is sitting there tweeting to Rachel Ray, I'm going to go over and say, Fez, put your phone away. Guess what? Because I you care. Two Thank are, you. And you two, I consider the most disrespectful and the most uh, paying attention to everybody else's other little details than everybody. Hicks, on the other hand, I'm going to have <laughs> slur my eulogy. Nice. Uh, here today. Yeah, I'm gonna be blasted. Yeah, it's... no, I'm not even blasted. Oh, just... You thick tongue motherfucker. Um, <laughs> you know what you ought to do? Shave your tongue before you come in. It's radio. Uh, David, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hurt.
Hey, Ronnie, being familiar with the Baldwins like you are, do no. you think he was pissed at his chick and just, you know, of course went to her defense? I have no guy, idea. You know, attacking her? I, I, I'm sure he didn't feel like seeing his chick attacked while she's pregnant. Yeah. By some, as he puts it, little queen. <laughs> Find the things that he uh, said. They weren't up on the iBank for some reason. Okay, here's uh, here's his here's his tweets. All right. Yeah. Um, Someone wrote my, that my wife was tweeting at her funeral. Hey, that's not true, but I'm going to tweet at your funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Good. George, George Stark, you lying little bitch. I want to fuck you up. <laughs> like it? I want all my followers and beyond <laughs> to straighten out this fucking little bitch, George Stark. Wait, can we stop for one no. second? Just one oh. second. At this point, the funny thing is that he's calling him a liar, and so he's saying, there's basically what he's saying here is, there's no way my wife would do that. So he's sort of admitting it's not cool. Again, we're going to be down to the thing of it was what people consider the funeral okay. and not. All right. But he's on a roll. Let him roll. roll. My wife and I attend a funeral to pay our respects to an old friend and some toxic toxic. Brit writes this fucking trash. If I put my foot up your fucking ass, George Stark, I'm gonna. I'm sure you dig it too much. <laughs> I'm gonna find you, George Stark. You talk as a little queen. I'm gonna fuck you up. I don't have a publicist anymore. I fired him. <laughs> How much of this shit are people supposed to take with these fucking blatant lies every day? My wife did not. Use her phone in any capacity at our friend's funeral. Now, fuck this Twitter. Good luck to all you who know the truth. And he got rid of his Twitter again. I don't think it's his first time. No. That he just closes it down. It's been a few. Yeah, it it's happens every That's few months. That's fucking great, though. Oh, this is one of the best fucking tirades ever. Al well, Bowles that's because you weren't dude. following Ant during the Zimmerman trial <laughs> last night. I caught some. Of, I was reading Ant stuff going back and forth, and he was, you know, the people that are angry so much that I finally went over to HLN. I'm like, I got to see what this f fucking is, and then I couldn't even stay with it. I can't get into the trial as sport. Well, all I, all I know is everyone's upset over the the girlfriend or friend, right? The chick who I kind of feel read. like. With a lot of sports, you got to wait to the playoffs before you get into it. And this is way too early in the season. People might be burning themselves out. He got a little uh, puffy, though, huh? Very. Yeah. Looks like somebody put an air hose up his ass. <laughs> All right, I would have thought Fez would have been on Baldwin for right? uh, definitely fucking gay stuff. That's but... how we know he's uh, guilty, because that's all he's got to go with is queen slurs. He's not guilty. There's no such thing as being guilty. He says an opinion <laughs> on George Stark. Uh, that, to me, was the funniest part of it. Yeah. And you cannot take that out. And again, it doesn't have anything to do with gay, gay, you know what I mean? But if you're in an argument with someone, you're going to call them bald if they're bald, um, Fat if they're fat, short if they're short, and gay if they're from England. You're just going to fucking do these things. That's great. That's what people... Everyone that gets into this kind of attack mode where somebody else has said something wrong, you know they're not admitting that they say things all the time that aren't politically correct. If that is... Still a fucking phrase for some reason. And it is the most telling phrase ever. Because because the term politically actually means lying in public. <laughs> so as a politician, you are forced to say stuff like, 
you know, no matter what the country does. This is the greatest country in the world. Even though I'm not willing to take a test against other countries, I know you like to hear it, <laughs> so I'm going to say it. So to be able to say this kind of language is unacceptable is just a lie you tell in public, no matter who you are. Because the fact is, if you've never done a gay slur or a racial slur, I, you must be living in an all-white Mormon community. Because a lot of the slurs you don't even mean. You don't even know are slurs. And we all feed into this lie. Which we we feed into the public lie. Yeah. We publicly lie. And I also think the, oh, I have a... Uh, uh, there's there's a way that you're supposed to act here and here and here uh, is something that you publicly say as a lie when you're not willing to admit I don't always act those ways. I, I'll put those things out there. I just don't think that anyone would be shocked to hear someone repeat it or laughed at a racial joke Name the race, because a lot of times you don't even realize that when you're saying Dutch treat, that's a racist statement to make. I guess you're saying the Dutch are the fucking <laughs> cheapest people in the uh, world and aren't about to pay uh, yeah. for their chick to eat with them. But no one would, would say, oh, my God, I was watching TV last night and they said Dutch treat. And now I've thrown out my television. I'm going to write a letter. By that, I mean a tweet. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to get Alec Baldwin's old account. That'd be awesome. Just go after it. Um, I know. I had that other thing, though. Um, what is it, Fez? We um, have a fantastic prize signed by James Gandolfini that we're giving away. Oh, um, God. This is so inappropriate. This is disrespectful. No, we're talking about is... his funeral. Yes. And you're using this as a tie-in for a live read. Because it's a fantastic prize. It's True Romance signed by James Gandolfini oh. for the Summer Grilling Contest. People... Oh, my God. <laughs> People are it's like already... you're walking into the funeral to say, <laughs> I'm not in the church. We're advertising. Why this. don't you walk into the church, walk up to the casket, put a pen in his hand, and try to get it to sign <laughs> uh, one of your fucking CDs? <laughs> and there's already been some great grilling photos sent into the iBang. Send yours in through the holiday and uh, up to through July 7th. The prize is True Romance, signed DVD by James Gandolfini. And this is only a dollar a month for these blades? And you can tape anything? You can tape all the channels at the same time? Holy shit. It's the give and take that's the fun part of this. Oh, you're looking at some of these pictures? Yeah, it's yeah. totally delicious. Though I don't like Anyone who doesn't grill the entire summer, you're wasting yourself. I don't like this beer can chicken only because you're using Michelob Ultra. <laughs> Dude, it doesn't really matter what kind. I've, I've made the beer can chicken, and it's fucking unbelievable. The chicken itself looks delicious. Yeah, it's the most tender thing in the world. The fact that it has it gets ass-fucked by a beer can, <laughs> that looks great right there. Yeah, delicious. These pictures are amazing. Uh, HTG hates to see lines on a steak, though. I'm found that. What's wrong with that? It's not. Those lines are fine. It's when you go to the restaurant and there's that fake 
grid that they put on a steak that's supposed to make it look like it was grilled on an open fire. Mm. It's it disgusting. Delicious. It's like, all right. Lining. So you wouldn't, if you were growing on a steak, uh, you would never churn your steak to make those grill marks? No, I wouldn't. To make the steak. little no. like X's on there? No, you want to leave the steak as still as possible. You don't want to turn it too it's much and fuss pleaser. with it too much. Well, you're only turning it once. One on each side, but if you want to get those cross lines, you got to turn it. Yeah, once. A, yeah, no need for that. But you—that's that's a lot different than sitting there just flipping back and forth. That's the worst thing you can ever see when if someone's cooking for you, whether on a grill or on a stove, is that they're playing with it and they're smashing it down. Well, they're drunk. You're just going to ruin it. Stop. No. Well, you, the stuff that you're saying, though, I haven't seen anything up there right now that doesn't look fantastic. No, that looks amazing. Never take a spatula and smash your hamburgers. I, I wonder Please. why men love to cook on a grill, but don't really like to cook in a kitchen as much. Because you get open fire, and then you're. But like, what is it about fire? It's very it's primal. You know, like if I go away and there's like a, like a cabin, like up on a mountain or whatever, that fire goes twenty four hours a day. Nice. And people will be like, are we going out for dinner? And you're like, I can't right now. I mean, I guess I could put the tables in there and, you know, keep it going till we get back. But I really need to keep this. Thing. Haven't you ever done that? Like, you go out and get a cabin with your buddies. You'll get up like... Four o'clock in the morning, you get up to take a piss, and there's just guys just shoving more logs. In. You're like, it's so fucking hot. Yeah, we got it going, man. I can't believe you fell asleep. This fucking thing is just rip roaring. We caught uh, the trees on fire outside. There's just fucking sparks and shit coming out of the top of the cabin. I'm that guy. I've got to keep the fire going. That guy. Yeah, I'm that guy. That's that's white corn. Mm. That's a nice simple little thing. There, it's very good looking. Refreshing Bud Light Lime there. I like the people putting up some sandwiches. I can't wait till um, corn season starts here. It's not we're not there August, yet. August, but it's the best. Yeah, and I, I can't go for that early corn. It's just not good enough. That looks fantastic there. Wow. Delicious. Was that coleslaw on the top of it? Yeah, coleslaw, some pickles. Mm. Is that a burger or is it something else? Looks like a burger. See, I like to see something written on these. That looks fantastic though. Yeah, that's a tasty sandwich. Uh, the corn's going to be knee-high by the 4th of July. Know that. Now, is knee-high done? No, you know how high the corn gets. Yeah, so, the, so that's nothing. So we're no, not ready. It's, yeah, but it's a fast grower. But no, you're not ready at the 4th of July. You're getting, you know, supermarket corn. Can't do it. Uh, Hicks eats fucking corn out of a can so what's yeah. the difference so the best Delicious thing cream corn the best uh. thing about grilling is you can you could pretty much trust anyone the worst that's going to happen is it's going to be too well done it's not like when people are cooking in their kitchen and they're putting all no, crazy I, things no, in their food i know people who keep the lighter fluid stuff going <laughs> and their steaks taste like lighter fluid oh that's disgusting and i have to say oh you're grilling uh i'm gonna show up when you're done it's like smoking a bowl with a zippo it just doesn't fucking work man <laughs> And just it's just shitty. You just sit there inhaling the fucking <laughs> the gas. Do we know whether this person's in the uh, thing? I just sent this uh, legend. I just sent an email out to confirm, make sure. Waiting to hear back. No DMC. I noticed that you didn't have DMCs yesterday, huh? No, I had. Um, that was like an assault on your father's memory. It really was. He had some kind of knockoff thing. I had a, bre a roll of breath savers. Mm. Oh. I 
nasty. It's not so much that it's nasty. It's just that's not what his dad carried. And I was going to say something to him, but he was having a hard day. So I'm like, you know what? A little gift. I'm not going to bring up that you're, you're not remembering your dad. Well, you got to buy it. I had run out and I had to grab some more. Got to buy in bulk. You got to bulk up, dude. That's what your dad did. Just, just get this by a fucking pallet. You still have them. the original roll that was left in his pocket? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I snatched that. <laughs> yeah. That's something to be proud of. Is there a fight over I it? snatched it away from my brother <laughs> and sister. That's when you really know you're a good child. God. <laughs> when, so, yeah, I have the original roll that's put away. The fact that you put your... That makes you the special one. Look, right, you get fucking 72 packs right there. It's nice. It's a deal. Mm. And my father was one of those lighter fluid grillers. Yeah. Well, he's from a generation that didn't really understand grilling. It was, you know, that's when hibachi was big. Nice. No, <laughs> it's not. That's not good. People really getting hardcore about grilling is only 20 years old tops. Probably, well, I guess the Food Network maybe help. Please, maybe for you. <laughs> Food television. Oh, my God. Food television. They hire too many racists. <laughs> I don't know. But is she really that racist? No. I'll tell you, the Food Network, I'm done with them. Yeah. I just don't want to see people voted off of shit. And I don't give a shit how fast they plate. The Take your time and make something fucking nice. The worst thing now is the Food Network star show. The one the Guy Fieri won. Um, the last guy didn't even get a TV show. Like It, it never even materialized. He just, he just is at a restaurant in Brooklyn and he just was on a reality show that won. It's really weird. 15 minutes. Not even. Another no, that, that that's. I called him up. I said I want to do a show about canning, and just show people <laughs> putting peaches and strawberry jams up. You watch, there'll be a canning show on there. That's basically preppers. That's TV show where people just can like you know old meat and pickle things for the coming apocalypse, and they just have just basements filled with fucking jars of nasty old food that'll yeah. last twenty years. I'm gonna run towards the balloon. Smart. I don't fuck. <laughs> wow, smart. Oh, we live in a root cellar because we can't go upstairs because it's the road. And by the way, anyway? later bikers. No, not when you're. No, I mean <laughs> oh. instead of canning your own, just if, if it's for. I understand when people used to can their own peaches when they wanted the best peaches, but if it's for the apocalypse, just go raid the shop right and put some crates of it away. Not everybody's a biker gang. <laughs> They're going to run this place. Are we going to announce the unmasked today or after we get back? Today. Really? Let's, let's, let's throw it out there today. Oh. It's a fucking great one. Good. All right. We'll announce it today. Because we're off next week. Yeah, we're gone. But I, don't you think most of the country is going to be off next week? Even today, the, the train was empty. Coming it in, should be. We should have taken today off. And even NBC was barely here, so I was no. able to go up and down in peace. NBC's barely here every fucking uh, Friday. NBC's jerks. barely on the air. It's a jerk factory. It's time for them to start cutting costs. Why don't they get rid of their fucking... You know you're not one of the main guys if you're over here. Well, there's five floors of them. 
So, I mean, they must be doing something, right? You know what I call it? What's that? DC. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little inside serious XM joke. Uh, everybody that works in DC, which used to be headquarters for XM, all they ever say to me is this. Have you heard anything? What do you hear? Oh my God. Do you hear anything at all? It's like an outpost fucking in the old west. Yeah, and I'll just be like, I don't know, you're talking about caught, you know, cutting some of this stuff out, switching channels around. Start using this place for storage. Storage <laughs> of our old satellites. Yeah. And, you know, when we were in New York, we weren't always saying to the people in D.C., you know, when we were just XM, which was just us, ONA, and the jazz people were up here in New York, we wouldn't be constantly like, what do you hear? No. Oh, we're worried. Stop fucking worrying so much. Of course, you know, when you have a middle management job, I guess you're, I got to really think to yourself, am I needed? You have to be constantly worried, right? Because some other dude come out and just... Well, when you have no be, skills. Be deemed redundant. As, <laughs> as they say in Britain... Fez got up to walk out and said this to me. That's weird. So, That's I don't know where he met. Maybes. Uh, it is the Ryan Fez show. This uh, unmasked we will be announcing in just a little bit. But it's one that I'm looking for because it's somebody that I've always thought is just a very funny person. Hysterical. Love Notice there, this is a dead giveaway. I said person. Whoa! I didn't say guy. <laughs> Filtered Excellence is up. Dexter Season 8 starts. Um... That other Showtime show, we don't have it on Filtered Excellence, but I'm definitely going to give it a, a shot about the guy who's basically like the wolf and goes around being a cleaner. Hey, leave Schreiber? Yeah, leave Schreiber is the, but whatever the, whatever his name is, that's the name of the show. It's like Ray something. It's getting ridiculously good reviews. Is it really? Yeah. Um, I haven't even heard about this. But if you watch Showtime, they've been running the ads for seven months. Ray Donovan is the show. Yeah, Ray Donovan. Right. Ray Donovan, he'll fuck you up. <laughs> That's the commercials that came in. When you said in. Wolf, I was thinking Paulo's idea, but maybe Philip Seymour no, Hoffman signed on. No, the Wolf was from Pulp Fiction. He was the cleaner, the guy who went around cleaning stuff up. Right. Uh, this is Martin Bonner is up on the entire bank. How to make money selling drugs, we had them in, uh, is up there. And uh, different concerts and pride parades, pride parades, all over the uh, country. You going to any uh, Hicks? Uh, no, I will not be. Because you don't want people to think that you're gay. No, I, I will because I'm not gay. Right, but I like to go and say, isn't it great a straight guy can come here? You know what I mean? Like a straight guy is fine here. Totally safe. It's great that a straight guy shows up. Um, no worries. Alright, we're going to have a major recording start stopping by. Um, here's uh, Tom in New York. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Ron, speaking of new shows, have you been watching uh, Christopher Guest's Family Tree? And what's your take on it? Can't get into it. 
I like the first few episodes. I loved especially some of the characters, but boy, it's gone downhill, especially since uh, Christopher Guest actually appeared. It's very disappointing. I just, I tried the first couple episodes, and I, I love all those guys, and it just, uh, I didn't, um, it just didn't grab me. It doesn't mean that I won't get around to trying it again, but I just did not get into it. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know how I, I hate reality shows, but then I was watching one that I like, these renegade Mormons who marry a bunch of different people, and they're out in, I think it's someplace in Utah, and I'm watching an episode, I find it fascinating, they built the whole town themselves, and in this town, the women pick, the, the guys have multiple wives, yeah. but the women pick them. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess God tells the women to pick them, and then they have to go to some kind of elders. And, like, they are just so different than anybody I've ever seen that I, I found myself fascinated watching it. Some of these dudes have, like, 20 kids living at their house. Well, yeah, there was that, that Sister Wives TV show that was on maybe, I think, a couple of years ago, and the guy had four wives and about 30 kids. And was it a, a reality show? Or the... It was a reality show. Okay. I, yeah, the, I guess they still do... Um, they don't get busted or whatever. No. But it's not an easy life. You would think, oh, look, the dude, you know, he's got the advantage. But it looks fucking rough. Yeah, the, 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 the Sister Wife show, that guy seemed just burnt out all the time. And this might sound like a term of prejudice, but the Mormons just seem to be the nicest people in the world. I can't get around the fact that, you know, I would never feel like I could be comfortable joining them or being a part of it, but you can't... St they're just nice people. They're very pleasant. There's a lot in my neighborhood for whatever reason. There's there's missionaries all the time walking around. Well, that's the thing. They already set themselves up as a life of service. You know what I mean? Like, I'm here to serve, and for three years I'm going to do this, and, you know... And then even, like, if a Mormon starts to bother you about their religion, you give them shit. They're just nice about it. <laughs> They're not like the black Israelites in Times Square oh, no. who yell shit at you as you're walking by. No, they want no shit. They're very rough on black people, by the way. Oh, because they think they're like race traitors? Well, they feel like the black people are just like Uncle Tom's for getting along at all. You know, <laughs> for so not rioting you would, yeah, Like the black Israelites, they feel no pride in Barack Obama being elected. <laughs> they see that as a false flag. That's just a, another white guy of them. Yeah, or I think that they even think like black dudes who go away, who go who go along, is even being worse wow. than white people. Um, here's Salty. You're on the Run of Fed show. You know, don't let those Mormons fool you. Radio edit? My, my family is Mormon. I recently got all the paperwork done to get out of Mormonism. I have a letter in my hand right now from my dad. And this is the thing about Mormons. Nice on the outside can do some scary shit on the inside. Because if you're not with them, you're against them, right? I'm absolutely against them. You know, and my parents are, and I'm basically getting disowned. Yeah. You know, but I tell you what, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's not a, I get, my sister, I was talking to my sister yesterday, and she asked me if I got this letter in the mail from my dad. I said, no, and I just went to the mail and got it. She told me not to open it. He is professing all of his sins and all of his crimes and everything horrible he did to my mother so to us so he can now get himself into the a celestial kingdom in Mormon heaven. These people are fucked up in the head. 
Okay. All right, thanks. Here's Alex Thank in Idaho. You're on the Run and Fez show. Oh, yeah. Hey, you're saying Mormons are nice, but they're really, really nice to their own kind. Like, if you're Mormon and so are yourself, then they're all about it, but <laughs> they can be pretty rude if you're not Mormon. All right, learning quite a bit. I just find them to be pleasant people. Maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong before with my prejudice. Lord no, knows. They have no beef against Matt and Trey, it seems like. They love that play. Do they really? Yeah, they, they promote it on, the, on, the web, on their website. Uh, Josh, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, I did some work in Utah, Salt Lake City, and they have to be the nicest people, and it was the nicest place. I want to move there. It's very, very beautiful. I don't know. I was out on that Salt Lake one time, yeah. and we started to walk into it, and we're looking around, and it was like something black on the top of the lake. And we're walking, and we're like, well, whatever this is, it's moving out of the way as we're coming closer. What? It was all these little fucking gnats. Oh, like, nasty. Oh. Pounds of them. Oh, Christ. I'm like, what the hell? I was like, is there like an oil slick on this? And now it's moving away from us as we get closer? If I were them, I would pour gasoline into that fucking lake and set on fire oh. kill all those gnats. This oh, is how you disgusting. could end up the mayor of Salt Lake City. I, I'll, I'll take that position. If you, that man, Hicks has a point there. If you drive on the highway around dusk out west, you will see what looks like clouds of smoke along like those little ditches along the side of the road. Yeah. And as you get closer, you realize it's not smoke. It's just these swarms of bugs hanging around the water that's draining in those ditches. That must have been the stuff that I saw. It's disgusting. That must have been the exact same stuff that I saw. Uh, Brad, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, I've lived around Mormons all my life in Idaho and New Mexico, and they make the best neighbors ever. Their kids are all well-behaved. They don't drink. There's no parties. Say I'd that like I live like. around Mormons forever if I could. I just call them, uh, I always have thought of Mormons as driving Amish. They're, they're the Amish that aren't afraid of cars. Amish are all over reality TV now, too. Mm. It's getting weird. How? Doesn't that go against well, everything Amish, they believe in? Well, Amish people who left the community, oh. and then there's the Amish mafia, apparently. The uh, Rumspringer kids always get on TV, and I think they, the Amish, they just don't want you to show their face. Yeah, so yeah, the, like when they go back to the farm or whatever, yeah. the, all the, like the, everyone's face is blocked out. Um, but when you go to their farms and stuff, people will still point cameras at them. And they don't say stuff like, don't take my picture, but they'll just try to turn around. <laughs> and you have to say to people, dude, you know they don't fucking like it. What do you need an iPhone picture of these people for? They, you're not going to go home and look at it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Instagram it. You could just go on. If you need to show your friends what the Amish looked like <laughs> when you were knows. there, they just look go like, to Google. They they look like human beings. Um, Dawn, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hi. Um, I have nine, but there's nine brothers and sisters. Uh, we have separate mothers, but my sisters grew up in a Mormon, are Mormon. They are not what these people are saying. The only difference, when my sister got married, we were not allowed into the church because we were not Mormon. So we had to do something separate from that when they got married in the Mormon church, but they don't do a lot of things that we do. Um, I'm not glad bad. not to be invited to a fucking wedding. Look. Anybody who doesn't invite me to their wedding <laughs> is going to get a nice gift from me. <laughs> Big props. Right. I send out gifts all the but, time just to people I don't even know for not inviting me. I go, this is fantastic. Um, and you said you had fun while you were there. <laughs> 
Um, so I guess because what these people are saying about how mean they are, they're not mean. Some of them choose to homeschool. Some of them choose to send them to school. They just have different beliefs than we do. Different, you know, the way, the way that they do things are different than what we do. That's all. Well, these people that I was watching on TV, and I can't remember the name of this show, but uh, they had the multiple, the polygamy is what they were pushing. Uh, but they seemed like they were the nicest people, and uh, that's w- not Mormon. They don't believe in in multiple family and uh. Yeah, well, they don't now, but these are like people who follow the real rules. You know what I mean? The real people, and it seemed like a nice way to grow up. You have a couple of moms. Hell yeah. And, I mean, and you like your mom, right? Yeah. Imagine if you had two or three of them. Seems really cool, actually. Extra moms. And they have like, all these giant multifamily homes and shit that can fucking household 40 people. Yeah, but who's paying for that shit? That's the problem. Yeah, this dude's know. working around the clock. He's just exhausted. Yeah. He's like, you know what? You motherfuckers are eating. It's like a thousand bucks every time we have a meal around here. I don't, you know, I don't think you know what I do. I'm an accountant. I'm going to have to start stealing <laughs> just to feed people. I, we should probably do the whole thing. That's the radio, right? The radio yeah. edit? Yeah. Is, yeah. I think you got to do it because that's yeah. why the person's here. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's uh, Deaf Proof. You're on the Ron Fez show. Uh, hey, Ronnie. Yeah, my family, they're all morons. Uh, I'm like the only one that isn't. It's, it's hard. Well, did you, you were raised that way? Well, yeah, I was, I was raised a moron, and then I don't know what happened. Oh, you're doing like a funny joke. Okay. I get it. It's wordplay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. That's so much, though. It's so much. I'm going to give you a little bit back. Uh, Ryan, you're on the Run of Fish show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah. Uh, just want to let you know. I I agree with you, Ron. Uh, they, they're some of the nicest people I've ever met. The Mormons. I I work for a law firm uh, down in North Carolina here, and I work with a number of attorneys who are Mormons. They make you know a, a, a ton of money, but. The, the ones that I know that are Mormon here, they are very humble, uh, you know, have smaller houses, have older cars. They just give a lot of their money away. Um, they're, they're some of the most interesting people I've, I've It's met. like a life of service that they tend to lead. They, they think about other people, and it seems to be uh, generally really, really nice. Absolutely. Um, all right, thanks. Uh, Brandon, you're on the Run of Fez show. How's it going, Ronnie B? Yeah. Yeah, you, you're... Uh, See, um, the Mormons, they consider themselves LDS, and you're talking about the polygamists that are FLDS. I think, like you're saying, um, the Mormons used to believe in it. The FLDS, they're, uh, they're going on off from what the LDS believed in, but they, they have the multiple wives and stuff like that. And uh, I think that Vice had a episode about the FLDS, if um, I remember right. Yeah, and I guess they're all in their own communities. This this place that I saw looked like it was just built from scratch, and the whole community. Yeah, they're this. like Amish. Yeah, and that's what they do, and they stick to their own, and yet um, they don't let any outsiders in. So that's kind of like how the Mormons are with when they get married in what they call their temples. Mm-hmm. You have to be uh, a Mormon, and you have to go to a bishop, and you have to get. Uh, a piece of paper that says you're worthy to enter it, and and you know, and, and usually the family members will, uh, you know, all have it, and you'll go get married in there, and and members 
of the family that aren't worthy, they have to sit outside because they consider it a very spiritual thing. So Thank it's just kind of how their religion is. Thank so. you very much. All right, we uh, have definitely, this guest is going to stop by. This is uh, kind of amazing. A member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and really one of the great songwriters of all time, wrote over at the Brill Building, was a songwriter first, wrote for uh, a lot of his first songs got done by the Monkees, and then he became one of the biggest solo artists in the world, and now is sung uh, at every single Red Sox home game. Uh, Neil Diamond is going to stop by. He's written a song about the people in Boston uh, called the Freedom Song, They'll Never Take Us Down, which uh, for some reason after what happened in Boston, everybody started to do the Sweet Caroline as a tribute yeah. to the Red Sox fans. And then, you know, Neil went up there. Uh, so amazing that he's going to stop by and uh, do this song for us. It is the Freedom Song. They'll never take us down. 100% of the proceeds will go to One Fun Boston and the Wounded Warrior Project. You can also listen to Neil Diamond Radio on Sirius XM channel um, 700. Uh, that's online. And Neil will be performing at the 33rd annual broadcast of a Capital Fourth, uh, which is always a really beautiful night. Uh, because you, you'll see it from there, but then they show the Boston Pops and what they do in Philly, all over the country. Fourth of July is such a major, major community holiday now. Uh, and normally when you get back home from seeing your fireworks, you turn on PBS and you see what they're doing in D.C. with the presidents there. And there's always a lot of great stuff. So Neil Diamond is stopping in here. Neil Diamond will be here in just a... In a little while, uh, but very, very nice of him to um, to do this uh, song for the people of Boston. They just love Neil Diamond, Red Sox fans. Yeah, they they, they can't get. He's their one. Kate Smith. Now, Kate Smith, as you know, is the greatest American we've ever had. She sang "God Bless America," and she made sure the Flyers won the Stanley Cups and beat the Ruskies too. Dig that. And then number two after that, Greatest Americans, yeah. Neil Diamond. Kate Smith. Yeah. Neil Diamond. Didn't know how, I didn't realize how high Kate Smith was. What, number one? Yeah. Dude, number two is, it's distant. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, she's out there ahead of everyone. There's a statue over in Philly. Very big statue. It costs a lot of money to make because she's not a small woman. That's, that's okay. God bless. And by the way, it's still the only God Bless America that I recognize. And if I'm anywhere else and anyone else sings that song, but Kate Smith, I boo. So you boo during God Bless America? I do that. Like a lot. That would be a lot. As an, an homage to Kate Smith. I really hate when other people try to do it. Matter of fact, Mike uh, Douglas, the old talk show host, he tried to sing it in Philly. And obviously they booed him. Uh, and it was a, like an all-star hockey game. And you have to remember, the Flyers would only do this on games that they needed to win. Then you would play Kate Smith, and then they would win. It was a lock. It's magical. Uh, and then, you know, Mike Douglas is like, hey, I'll do it. 
they boot him. He says on his way out, fuck Philadelphia. <laughs> and he moves his shitty show from Philly to L.A. <laughs> I'm just done with this shit down. <laughs> but great. people don't realize that, you know what I mean? It's not for everybody. No one else should sing that song. If you want to hear that song, you should play it, by the way, on a phonograph. You have to sit there and play it on wax. Not even digital? Can't have a digital copy of it? Sure you can, if you want me to boo. You'll know the difference? Yes. I have a trained ear. Uh, you should, too. You've worked in radio long enough. <laughs> I'm working on it. My ear is so trained. If you play me a song, I can tell you what color the label is. Shit. Yeah. That's impressive. Neil Diamond's coming in here. That's goddamn impressive. That's pretty big. Uh, what's your favorite Neil Diamond song of all time? America. Really? Oh, yeah, that's right. You came along a little later. <laughs> Listen to some of these songs. I'm a Believer, Solitary Man, Shiloh, Red, Red Wine. I know you love that, Hicks. Yeah, it's, yeah I do. That's a pain. And then the Hello Again, Hello, the one that made Fez oh, yeah. cry. <laughs> I Am I Said. Holly Holy, Kentucky Woman, A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You, Longfellow's Serenade, Love on the Rocks, uh, Forever in Blue Jeans, Heartlight, Cherry Cherry, Cracklin' Rosie, and this is uh, my favorite song, though, Brother Loves Traveling Salvation Show. A nice carny song for everybody. There's really not enough carny songs. Um... That's an outstanding amount of hit songs. Song Sung Blue. Forever in Blue Jeans. Yesterday's songs. Wow, he's written a lot of hit songs. Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. Anyone who's in Pulp Fiction loves that song. It's fucking fantastic. Bow, bow, bow. You'll be a woman soon. I love you so much, can't count other ways. Love it. I might just sing his songs to him when he comes in here. <laughs> it is fine. The sun shines most of the time. And the feeling is laid back. Neil Diamond stopping in to the Ron and Fez show. Uh, the new song that he's written specifically uh, for One Fun Boston and the Wounded Warrior Project uh, is called Freedom Song, They'll Never Take Us Down. So here he is, standing up. Saying, screw you. But that kid just got sentenced. Or not sentenced, but they just, they just brought him oh, back. Oh, yeah, it was like 30 charges. Yeah, and most of them carry death. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that they'll kill him, though. Even if they do put him on death row, he's not going to... I'll pay zero attention to what they do with him. I'll let them figure it out. I don't care about him. Yeah. I don't care if he's as cute as some of those Twitter girls claim. Oh, they find him very attractive. They're getting tatted up. Probably sending them things. I find uh, Neil Diamond attractive. He's a good looking man. Yeah. He is. I wish I would have worn something a little flashier in here today, though. It's going to be fine. We should be all decked out in Boston Red Sox. Gear, like, really. the, like when he did Dry Your Eyes. And he was wearing those cool sunglasses, and he was, like, sparkling in the last waltz. <laughs> Dry your eyes! Uh, Robbie Robertson, by the way, produced him. That's why he was there at the last waltz. Oh, badass. He 
he's not even from Boston, right? I mean, he's from New York. Yeah, yeah, but that, it's weird how they just they well they adapted adopt that him. yeah a thing as like their seventh inning stretch song, and then um, you know just because people were singing it along, they love that movie. Oh yeah, was it Beautiful Girls? Yeah. After it. Beautiful Girls, they started to play that, and people started to do the impression from Beautiful Girls, and now everyone forgets about Beautiful Girls. And they're just like, oh, yeah, people in Boston came up with that thing. They should be playing that film during seven things. Or actually, during the entire game. I'm not going to tell I'm not going to tell them how to run their home games. I don't need to see another bio on Big Poppy. Like, I'm gonna, well, I don't need to see his goddamn fucking batting average this want, season. I do want to know what's going on with them. <laughs> For all beautiful girls, every fucking home game. That's a little much. <laughs> And loop it if we're going in extra Now, maybe, girl, you'll be a woman soon is my favorite song. I'm a believer. He also wrote that, that the monkeys did. It's crazy. Kentucky Woman, Elvis did. This is an amazing amount of hit songs. An amazing amount of hit songs. And to have been a Brill Builder building writer is just, that's always, to me, the coolest thing in the world. Although that Heartlight song really touched a lot of people because it was about E.T. And that E.T. just wanted to, you know, he was wanted to go home. That's why he turned his speaking spell into like a nice little... Poor bastard. ...phone for himself. When are they going to make a sequel to that? Um, so, do you want to uh, do this song or we need a couple minutes? I think we still need a couple. Okay. Because this is that uh, we haven't heard the tune. It's a nice long one, right? Yeah. Freedom. Freedom, Freedom song. song. They'll never take us down. That's blunt. That's like right in your face. By the way, it's going to be available on iTunes and Amazon MP3. Now, the great thing about it is 100% of the proceeds will go to the One Fun Boston and Wounded uh, Warrior projects. Um, why don't we use this time to. Plug the next Unmasked that's coming up, I believe, July 18th. 18th. That's a Thursday. Thirsty Thursday. Yeah, hell yeah. And it's going to be in the morning, right? 11.30 a.m. in the fishbowl. Now, this, uh, as Spencer told me, the publicist asked if they could do this because the last person that we did with them, the news got out all over. <laughs> nice. Do you remember which one that was? Mr. Zach Brav? Yeah. You're good at this. You're good at this game. Me questioning you about your job. You're very good at it. <laughs> Molly should have brought her dad in today to play sex. Oh, he could have he could have got on could've got a new gig. Could have jumped on. Or just shut down Neil Diamond. <laughs> just just blowing it really hard when Neil's trying to say. <laughs> uh but this one we're up and ready to go. Go to the iBank, because this should be a hoot. This is, hey, how's Ron going to handle this one? It's the extremely funny Wanda Sykes. Oh, I love it. I love Wanda Sykes. She's so goddamn funny. Just so amazing on Kirby Enthusiasm. She's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Really funny. But I heard her doing a bit one time about, she said she had sex with Patrick Ewing. <laughs> and she said that his dick looked like driftwood. <laughs> And there was a knot on the end of it. 
And I was fucking. I I don't know why I thought that was the funniest shit I ever heard. Just a big log cock from Patrick Ewing. And I know she just did, like I'm. I know it's like one of those lines I couldn't even bring up to her, and she would remember. It was just something that she threw off. But I've always thought that that was the funniest shit in the world. She's hysterical. Like, how would you like to just suddenly fucking hear your dick being talked about? And you're like, what? you're like at your house going like this, baby, you know I never was with Wanda Sykes. Want none of that? I'm just here for you. These are rumors. Twitter rumors going around. This is a comedian. What are you doing with all that fat cash, daddy? Oh, uh, it's just a 20. 20 twin twin. <laughs> Balling out. Eagle flies on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Where the drink special's at? Come on, let's go. Where are the buybacks? Your drink special is trying to get somebody interested in your girl. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you want you want Scotch on the rocks? Okay. I swear to God, every young dude has done that before. Yeah. I had my chick when I was like 18 in Jer on the Jersey Shore, sitting in between me and this old guy. All right, let's uh, rock it. Let's play Neil Diamond's Freedom Song, They'll Never Take Us Down. Um, and that's available on iTunes. All the proceeds go to One Fun Boston and the Wounded Warrior Projects. Two hundred years and more And here we are today With freedom still our guiding light Defending it with all our might We're never gonna change Forever look away We stand for freedom Every day They'll never take us down Though some may try We're gonna stand our ground It's do or die that we found can't be denied and they can never take us down oh no our freedom is wide got freedom to believe and live the way we choose ain't that what freedom's all about it's something we can't ever lose And if we go astray Let freedom be the light That takes us through the darkest night They'll never take us down Though some may try We're gonna stand our ground It's do or die Freedom that we found can be denied. Our faith is like a light that keeps us warm. It burns inside. We've come this way before, a hundred times or more. But someone's watching over us. And we believe in God we trust But if we hold on strong We'll make it through the night 
Take us down. No, oh no. Oh no, they won't. Never take us down. Praise our freedom now. We know it's true. They'll never take us down. Though some may try, we've only got to show the reason why. Our road together's made of tears and pride. We know that they can never take us down, and freedom's why. Together, let us raise up freedom's flag where eagles fly. That is Neil Diamond, Freedom Song, They'll Never Take Us Down. Now, it's going to be released next Tuesday, July 2nd, available on iTunes and Amazon MP3. 100% of the proceeds go to the One Fun Boston and the Wounded Warrior Project. Neil Diamond, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? Thank you so much, Brian. Great to be here. What an amazing thing for you to be able to uh, do this, particularly the way the people in Boston uh, feel about you. Well, um, I'd like to say it was a pleasure, but it was a very difficult uh, sure. uh, experience for me. But I felt it was necessary. And uh, as a songwriter, it, it, this kind of justifies uh, being a songwriter and calling myself a writer to uh, to sit down and try and write something that expressed my love for this country and my appreciation for the spirit of the people in this country and that's what this song is about well you, your songs and uh, you know we went over some of your songs before we brought you in you've written some the most iconic songs in popular music but most of the time people try to figure out exactly what what each lyric means or where you know because so many of these are personal but this is one that I, it feels more like you're writing from the people's point of view Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's from the people's point of view, and uh, it's from my point of view as a fellow citizen mm -hmm. uh, and a fellow uh, lover of this country and appreciator of what this country has really to offer. Um, the folks in Boston uh, having such a, a, an iconic view of that song of yours, and it was an amazing thing. After that happened to see what that every all the other ballparks here in New York City yeah. where they're saluting 
the uh, Boston fans and the Boston Red Sox by singing Sweet Caroline. Yeah. Uh, it was a really touching thing. But what always is amazing me is, of course, none of that is in your mind when you're writing the song. You know, one of those things, a song just goes off and becomes something. That's so true. You never do know. And it's, it's one of the complaints that I have, and it's one of the great gifts that mm -hmm. you're given. Uh, you sit down and you write something and you spend a lot of time on it, or, or it comes immediately as Sweet Caroline did. Uh, and you never know where it's going to end up. You never know who's going to end up singing it and for what reason and for what purpose and uh, what goes on when the song is playing. Sure. And it, it becomes part of people's lives. And that's the great thrill as a writer that yeah. you, you may just eventually end up in somebody's life and maybe even making a difference. I, I uh, a few years ago, I saw all these little kids dancing and singing. I'm a believer, and I'm like, how do these kids, little kids, because I hadn't seen the movie, and I'm like, all this and all these little kids know this song from the '60s, and it's another one of those examples. Um, That's right. Yes, yeah. it's. Uh, it's almost, uh, it, well, it is unpredictable, mm -hmm. for sure, but it is also wonderful for me to see, because mm -hmm. uh, I can, it's lonely in the studio, I sure. gotta tell you. Uh, you're there alone, and you don't really know if anybody's gonna ever hear the song. Uh, and in a lot of situations, that happens. Yeah. You work on, on, a, on a song, and uh, it's never heard of again. So you don't know. Mm -hmm. So you give it everything you have. You just hope for the best. And uh, who knows? You know, maybe 30, 40 years later, it will end up being sung by a group of kids on the corner. <laughs> right. Uh, or, uh, you know, uh, heard at a ball game. And, yeah. uh, and maybe you'll be singing it. It's it's so uh, it's such an amazing haphazard uh, hap stance happenstance. I yeah. think the word is. But uh, well, uh, when you sit down and write a song like this, the freedom song, uh, they'll never take us down. You know that you're doing this for a sp specific purpose. That's right. Is that more pressure as a writer? Is that suddenly you're thinking to yourself, well, I better go over this a little more? Well, you know, uh, there is a little more pressure because uh, I wanted it to uh, really say some things that mm -hmm. I wanted to say and maybe haven't been said before. And that's hard to do because uh, a lot of things have been said about this country and people's relationship to it, you know, going back to the Star Spangled Banner. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's hard to come up with something that you want to say that will... Uh, ring a bell with with somebody out there but um i i honestly didn't know what this song would be about when i first started writing it i just knew that i was inspired in a way to write something mm -hmm. to thank those people in boston and to those people around the country that i've performed to and have shown a certain spirit and a certain resilience which is an inspiring thing, and for a songwriter, uh, a little inspiration like that goes a long way. Yeah. And that, that fueled me through this entire song. I didn't know what the song was about until half it was half finished. And then it started to become apparent to me that this song is about America and its strength and its... Uh, 
the things that I love about it. Yeah. Uh, and th that became clearer. And yes, there was some pressure, but there was also a considerable amount of joy and enthusiasm that went into the writing of this thing. Well, one of the great things, I think, about being in America is that we take so many things for granted. And the Boston Marathon is a perfect example. You know, it's just been there. It's on, you know, we watch it on TV. People go there. But you never think to yourself, well, this is a wonderful thing. We had this happen in 9-11 in where it made us rethink New York and what we like about living in New York. So uh, I think that you sat down as a writer to say that these things are precious. Most of what we have uh, is a lot more precious than we give it credit for. Absolutely. We, yeah. we take it for granted. It's part of our life, and we accept it, and we think that this is the way it works around the world. Yeah. But it doesn't. Right. Uh, it's, it is very special, and it needs to be protected, and it needs to be recognized. And, you know, hopefully Freedom Song will perk up people's ears and have them recognize the reality of our good fortune to be here in this country at this particular time. Yeah. Uh, you went up to Boston uh, and checked in on those folks after that happened. Uh, this was a spur-of-the-moment thing for you? or yes. uh, And you just left and said, I'm going to go up and see how things are going? Well, uh, I, like a lot of other Americans, followed that whole story of the bombing uh, mm -hmm. for that week and, and uh, f finding these two people responsible and uh, eventually capturing the, the one that would, uh, survived. But uh, it was a very tense and uh, uh, a scary kind of a journey for everybody to make along with the people in Boston. They were not alone. Yeah. They were, had a lot of people following this thing. Uh, and when it was over, when they finally captured uh, the second person, uh, I said to my wife, honey, we got to go into Boston and I got to sing Sweet Caroline just to cheer people up. Wow. And uh, we jumped on a plane, took a red eye, and we were there in time for the game. It was, a, it was an afternoon game. We had to talk our way into Fenway Park. It's <laughs> an amazing story. Uh, this is amazing. We did. They didn't expect us. They didn't know we were coming. We said, my wife calls it, uh, I have Neil Diamond here, and he wants to sing Sweet Caroline. <laughs> and uh, b b believe it or not, they believed her. And uh, so it went up the chain, and finally somebody who we knew uh, with the Boston Red Sox organization, said, "What? If he's here, we want him. Uh, bring him. You know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be there at the gate. Just get in a cab and come on over." And we we hopped in a cab and got over the uh, to Fenway. They took us in. We had a couple of hot dogs. Uh, I was honored to uh, say hi to some of the first responders there, yeah. and these people just. Uh, they were so humble and so uh, strong. Right. Uh, it was inspirational just to meet them and to thank them uh, for for what they had done. And uh, and then it was my turn. You're on, Neil. Go. <laughs> you know, go sing your song. And it was a it was a joyful it, it was, was a joyful day for me. It was really terrific 
too, for all of us, I think, just to see that. I mean, to see you being a good neighbor, really, because that's what you do when people have problems. You don't know what to do, so you do whatever you, you, you can. But it also gets back to that thing of things that we take for granted. Here, Neil Diamond has been writing these great songs for all these years. They're part of our lives. And then that moment, it comes back of, yeah, we do have a lot of things in this country. And pop music is another thing that we kind of take for granted. And we do it very well and have done it very well for a long time. I, I thought it was great that you showed up well, like that. Well, thank you so much. It was just terrific. Thank you. It was, it was a, I'd like to say it was a pleasure, but it wasn't yeah. a pleasure. It was, a, it was just... Uh, Something from the heart. Yes, yeah. that's, that's all I can call it. Well, I know in the in the New York uh, local news, everybody felt really great about it because it felt like New York. You know, yeah. people in New York just love you so much, and it felt like one of those things that we we're just saying, like we get it. You know, that's why I love seeing people in Yankee Stadium sing that song that they yeah. knowing that they would never do that in a million years. <laughs> they, but that's that's the kind of stuff that we have that is fun to have these things yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Um, one of the great things about this song is 100% of the proceeds go to One Fun Boston and the Wounded Warrior Project. Again, here's something we take for granted 10 years into this stuff, but these guys are out there every single day so true. doing it, and it should be something that we're all involved in all the time. Well, they need our support. Uh, I, I went to see uh, some of the Wounded Warriors at Walter Reed Army Hospital, earlier in the year and these kids were um, amazing they were inspiring their families the sacrifices that these guys have gone through uh, deeply physically wounded uh, and, and yet their eyes were straight ahead uh, clear on the prize mm -hmm. uh, the families were strong and ready to stand by their man and uh, it was uh, it was uh, an amazing insight to me into uh, human strength, the real strength in this country, anyway. And uh, yeah, I gave out a bunch of guitars to the guys. I had them sent because it turned out that most of these guys played guitar. Mm. Uh, so I have a little guitar that I carry around and. Uh, uh, we sent them each a guitar and uh, with a note of thanks for for the sacrifices that they've made. Uh, this is something that I want this song and that I want Freedom Song to be able to bring out in people to remind them that we're free because these men and women have made the sacrifices of their lifetime. They will pay for the rest of their lives right. for what they did. They put their bodies and their hearts and their minds in danger and they paid the price, uh, all of them. And uh, we owe it to them at least to recognize that and not to forget it. They right. need our help now. Uh, they can't do this alone. The families are strong. Uh, the the soldiers are strong. But they need us, too. Yeah. And I want this song to remind us that we, we are needed now. This country is needed now to stand behind the people who have made these sacrifices. 
And uh, yes, it will raise money. When when people go out and download this song, the dollar twenty nine that they donate, a hundred percent of it will go to these uh, heroes. And uh, I, I I just hope everybody steps up now it's time for america to step up and support these people it really is because we sent them there and whether you're for the war or against it this is our responsibility these men and women who return we're doing this for us we do have to be 100 percent for them no matter how you feel about these wars and i remember when these guys were leaving after 9 11 there were people waving and stuff like that you need to be there when people are coming back and it isn't just about they're going to be jobs for them all those things they have to come back and be part of the society um Lord knows we did it for the World War II guys. My my father was able to come back and raise a family and buy a house on the GI Bill. And all that stuff was done at that time. This generation needs to do the same kind of stuff for these people. Uh, I, I can only hope. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, think, I think we will. Um, and this song is just a reminder. It's the Freedom Song. Uh, they'll never take us down. You're going to be performing... Uh, at a Capitol Fourth on PBS, July Fourth, eight uh, o'clock. It's always a a big special night. Doing this song is the first time you've ever been done it in public, I guess. Right? Um, it will be. Uh, I will do it earlier that day at yeah. a National Brewers baseball game in Washington D.C., in which uh, the wounded warriors are honored. And then I will do it again that night on the Great Lawn at, uh, at in front of the Capitol in Washington. And uh, it will be my privilege uh, and uh, my pleasure to sing out on their behalf. I think it's fantastic. Freedom Song. This is a great thing to buy friends, send it out to them. This is, could be a, a terrific Fourth uh, of July thing that you're sending people this because all the money is going to One Fund Boston and Wounded Warrior Projects. That's Tuesday, July 2nd, available on iTunes and Amazon. Freedom Song, they'll never take us down. Thank you so much, Neil. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Ron. I'll see you next time. Yeah. Began. I can't begin to knowing, but then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became the summer. Who'd have believed you'd come along? Touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching you Sweet Caroline Good times never seem so The night and 
don't seem so lonely We fill it up with only two And when I hurt Hurting runs off my shoulders How can I hurt when holding you Warm Touching warm Reaching out Touching me How about that? Neil Diamond stopping by. Pretty damn cool. Um, this hasn't been worked out 100%, but I was talking to him about Anthony joining him, uh, singing both those guys singing that song to Obama, I think would be the perfect July 4th. I don't know if uh, Anthony would be... What I'd like Ant to do is to work on some Zimmerman kind of lyrics there. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to write the parodies. I don't know how to do it. Get topical with it. Yeah, but you got to. You got to pull that thing out. You got a Lonely Island, that shit. All right. I know that. Yeah. Zimmerman in a box. Hi, I'm Neil Diamond. <laughs> this is my wife, Katie. Nice, Neil. That story about them just flying up and deciding, hey, I'm going to go sing the song at, at Seventh Inning and not telling anybody. It's pretty fucking funny. Showing up at the ballpark and basically going, yeah, I'm going to sing the song for you guys. It's really the funny, like, famous people that have been famous for a long time, I wonder if they get how <laughs> unusual it is to get the idea and show up somewhere and have the people go, yes, this isn't planned, but it's great. It's a great idea. I don't know if if long if you're fa famous long enough, you're not you're just not going to realize that. Shit. You don't know because you're just like this is how the world works. Everybody's glad to see me. <laughs> but this is but can you imagine like if me and you went? Hey, we just decided to show up in Chicago tonight. I'm gonna sing the seventh inning um, thing for everybody. So yeah, we don't have tickets or anything. It's just you know. We get in or what? Yeah, we can get in. Obviously, put us in a suite and make this thing perfect for everybody. <laughs> so, uh, very sweet of him. He's written a song for, I don't know, America. Freedom song, they'll never take us down. It's got all the, you know, our freedom. The eagle is in there. Yeah. Oh, I think the troops. He's got everything. It's touching base on everything. It's almost like a country song for non-country people. Like an East Coast country song. I love it.
Get your freedom on. We got to do some good. Ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Cubia. Ow! <laughs> Sings exactly like me. <laughs> uh, all right, it is the Ron and Fez show. Uh, we already said up on the iBang now. We are doing this uh, bit for Unmasked, uh, Wanda Sykes. So cool. Uh, this should be very, very funny. She's an extremely um, funny lady. Just uh, very, very strong. She's so damn funny. That Crazy Eyed Killers episode with her in it of Cure Enthusiasm might be the funniest. It might be, it's my favorite episode. It, it's just. So fucking hysterical. Uh, Joe in Boston, you're on the Run of Fest show. Ronnie P, you're awesome. Hey, I was at that game. It was a total surprise. Everybody was totally psyched when he came out. But the problem is, if I am doing a surprise visit, they were not ready with the sound system. It yeah, I saw that. It was that, that, but that made it even better to me. I was like really cracking up at that. Well, yeah, they showed the people in the stands. We're all cracking up. Going, ah! It was great. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> that was the beauty of it. It was they—they they kind of just improved and half-dressed their way through it. I was watching on the TV that night. Yeah. I'm just cracking up. Ladies and gentlemen, we do a song called "Sweet Caroline" by the man who made it famous. Mr. Anthony Cumia. What? I don't know whether you're familiar with a show called The Compound, <laughs> but this guy's been really bringing it every single week. Sometimes being on at 1 in the morning, sometimes at 3.35. No set schedule. Sometimes the show lasts 14 minutes, sometimes 19 and a half hours. It's been a joy to sing with this guy. He's coming out being accompanied by Brother Joe. <laughs> it's chilly in here. It gets nipply. Hey. Um, no, no, no. The, uh, who, do we, who are our interns today? We got Shelby, as in classic, and Molly. Do you realize the amount of prep work that both these kids do? They're monsters. It's awesome. They're monsters of rock. They um, they just bring it. I love Shelby it. Shelby's like more than everything, everyone else first thing in the morning, and then more than everybody else at night. He's getting nasty at it. Wait, I meant to say Molly did that. Molly do, does that. Shelby is like a one a day, but he writes really funny stuff. And then Fez found one. So everybody is on top of it. Everything. This is why I'm nervous about the vacation. Oh, uh, maybe because we're just rhythm. clicking. Yeah, we're just clicking right now. This show is just clicking right now. Love it. And Neil Diamond stuffs in here like it's nothing. Um, all right, we are going to uh, take a break. We get back. Uh, paintings that look like America. We're going to be talking about, and then uh, we'll get into another bit. Because up on the iBank today, it's about... I guess this is going on this uh, weekend with the Tour de France. Yeah. And what is it that uh, kind of keeps us from embracing some of the world sports? We'll talk about that when we get back 
Uh, grab one of the interns. One of the interns can be in for a while and then switch out. I'll swap. You swap with them. <laughs> I also want to get into Paula Dean. Did we go overboard beating up that old lady? <laughs> Did it go a little too far? Is it? It's not over yet. Um, oh, you think she's still going to get fired even more? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we got a lot to talk about today, including this. I know you're a Kenny Powers fan. Love Kenny Powers. They just brought in for this season Ken Marino. Oh, my God. And Tim Heidecker. So when I... I Sign me up! I know. when I, that Those are like three of the most perfect guys that make you cringe and laugh at the same time. Uh, and then uh, Anthony and Neil Diamond are going to be doing Forever in Blue Jeans. Which is a little too long for Blue Jeans, in my opinion. It's like a super group, sort of. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. To I me, mean, I can think that every group is super. I came in with my little guitar and sang him some of the greatest songs in popular music history. <laughs> Good work. Man. I do. I do remember when I saw those little kids dancing and like going crazy to "I'm a Believer" and singing along. It was like some little. It was like a niece's birthday party, and I'm like, "How the fuck do little kids know a monkey song?" What cartoon movie was it then? Um, the, there's a big mean uh, monster who hangs around with a mule, and they go around and they oh, have adventures yeah. together. Shrek is that it? The green guy? That couldn't possibly. It is a green guy. Yeah. But it, Shrek would make it the stupidest title ever. So they can't be that. No, it was um, Shrek Two. So you're off by one. You were so close. You're off by one. It's Shrek though. It's still Shrek. Shrek Two. It was Shrek's in the title? Was I'm sorry. Was I'm a believer in Shrek? I don't know. I haven't seen them. I believe it was in Shrek too. Fez is looking that up as we speak. Slow typing. He he types the way I like a chef's to make food. Slow. Let it simmer. Low and slow. <laughs> we'll be right back <laughs> with a lot to talk about today. It's the Run of Fez show. And Fez Show on the Open Anthony Show. Sirius XM. <laughs> You've been warned. Playing the same song over and over today, Hicks. How come? It's on me. It's on me. This should not be playing. Hmm. Thank God I'm paying attention. Uh, Molly's going to sit in with us today. Molly, did you and HTG ever meet before? Uh. Not formally. Well, then you're probably going to start fighting because girls always fight. <laughs> See, that's what I hate. Yeah. Meow. 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 
<laughs> and then if two guys don't get along, we call it a dog fight. <laughs> and the girls are like, oh, look, dog fight. So hot. <laughs> now, um, Emily, you already hate Dana. So <laughs> you, you and Dana actually get along, right? Yeah, we get along fine. You know, there's no beef. Mm, shit. <laughs> we were hoping. It's just that she's such an awful person. Just bum barrel. She doesn't bum me out, but I can see why she might bum other people. I guarantee you that she'll, she'll stab you in the back. Maybe. She'll turn on her in a heartbeat. Yeah, she'll steal your boyfriend. She wouldn't dare. <laughs> she has no soul or conscience or morals. She's an RA at a fucking college. <laughs> No. You act like that's the lowest thing someone could make. It is, because you're a student fucking ruining other students' educations. You know what I miss, though, right now? What's that? One more Saturday night, the song that should have been playing. Mm. What happened? You just don't pay attention? No, I do. Just maybe sometimes not close enough. Mm. So you're just like, I don't care. <laughs> I care very much. You know what Neil Diamond said to me? What's that? What's with the long hair guy? <laughs> Seems like he's not into this. <laughs> Go get out my fucking back, Neil. This is a long guy. Christ. Hey, your friend over there, Hippie Joe. <laughs> Dry your eyes. Lost some service. Oh, oh lost some service there, huh? <laughs> that was his brain. It just went off once again. <laughs> the loss of service. I'm in the dead um, zone. Oh, hey, so you give me this book to read during the break. Mm. This happens after? Yeah. Hmm. Nice. I'm going to start reading it right now. Do you like to read on your vacation or you don't like to read? I'll read. I, I'll I like to read, read on my bit. vacation, too. Uh, I feel like not a winter vacation, but a summer vacation I like to read on. Last summer, uh, I read all the Fifty Shades of Grey fucking books. <laughs> yeah, I was going really? yeah, to borrow it from them, but it was just... Jizz was all over it. I, I, I couldn't even jerk off to that fucking thing. It's the least sexiest <laughs> fucking thing in the world. I was going to get you Fifty Shades of Gay. No, th I don't want to dudes fucking each other. Did you hear that Give they're making chance. it into a movie? Fifty yeah. Shades of Grey? Yeah. You could probably be up to play the girl, right? I don't think she, so. I think she's supposed to be 19. Yeah. No way, really? She's, yeah. in college. she's like in college. She's like a fucking... Because Hermione's name was brought up a couple of times. Oh, yeah, yeah she'd be good. I didn't read the books, but... See, I can't watch Hermione doing nude seats because we watched her growing up. It's like seeing your niece naked. It's true. And I'm tired of that. <laughs> tired of seeing my niece naked. Wait, what? You know what? Dump out. I just thought Dump. of something. <laughs> Who's going to go to this movie? Is this just going to be packed with housewives? Because this is yeah. the sort of thing you read kind of quietly at home to yourself. I don't It'll know... Be, if... No, there, there was girls reading clubs. Really? They read this together? Yeah, I saw it on Today's show. This is shocking to me. Housewives would get together and say, and then, you know how women aren't embarrassed about things like they have those dildo parties now. Yeah, but I didn't think those, I didn't think it was a younger audience. I thought it was kind of a housewifey. We normally wouldn't admit to liking something like this kind of thing. But um, housewives uh, are the only audience for Mama Mia, and that did a lot of money. There's a lot but of women. Di that's very different. I mean, yes, you could pack. There's a lot of chick movies, but I wouldn't think that people who liked reading this would be comfortable showing up in a well, public well, place. You haven't read it, right? It. I so just a little excerpt. May maybe it's not as bad. Hicks, you're disappointed. I guess it wasn't porny enough. Not at all. Every the fucking book was laughably bad. 
it was laughably horrific. Where it was, they were just like name dropping Apple computers and like Audi cars. Like that's it's it's totally. No, I do want to read it. Don't now because don't. I'm in the computers and cars. Please don't. When I was like 15, there was a version of that that went around with, for the 15 year old girls. So that was a Judy Bloom book forever, and you know you would read that at summer camp or under your blanket, and everybody would giggle. When I was little, I must have been in elementary school when I read uh, Candy by the great Terry Southern, and it was um, that kind of, there was just sex scenes in it, it was like comedically sexy, but to like a little kid, you're like, oh man, <laughs> can't wait to rape a woman. Oh, we had forever. I was very confused about, <laughs> here's my thing, I thought rape was about the only way that a woman would be with a man. Mm. So I would just, like, I remember, and this is awful to say, and we've grown up, but me and, like, me and my buddies in, like, fifth grade, we would be like this all the time. You know who would be great to rape? Out of all of our, everyone in our class, I think the only girl I would rape would be, you know what I mean? And, like, it was later that I realized, no, they are going to want to do this. I thought it was something that had to be taken so I, had, I don't know what put that in my young head, you know. Do you remember where you first heard about, like, rape? I thought rape and sex was... <laughs> I just didn't think that a woman would want that to happen. So when was the first time you heard about consensual sex? Well, just a couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh, God. But I, I think that that's universal. When I and even then it's a turnoff. Oh. Like, hey, you're, you're doing something. my part. <laughs> When we were in elementary school, I think like fifth grade, the guys used to do this thing where they would try to catch a girl at lunchtime. Yeah. Literally, they would have a rope. This actually did happen to me. Yes. You got tied up and they tried to... I, this was like the worst experience of my childhood. You, they tried to drag me behind a hill and I was screaming and, and I did get away from them. You were playing the rape But game. they thought it was really fun and funny and couldn't yeah. understand why I got pissed about it. I was you, took, you took it too far. You should have just went with the bit. <laughs> it was not a bit. I am telling you this. They were trying to. to I'm not going to get it. They were trying to pull my pants off. Yes. It was, as we would say in my school, it's dress up day. <laughs> dress up day. Ten and hold their dress up. Yes. Because you're confused by it all. I wasn't confused. That's why they're really. Uh, the fact that now kids can read Fifty Shades of Grey and understand how adults view sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bondage book, right, Hicks? It's barely a bondage book. There's some spanking. And that's that's about... And because, all right, here's fucking spoiler alert if you haven't fucking read Fifty Shades of Grey. There's a contract, right, for her to be his sub. Mm -hmm. um, but she doesn't sign it. And he like fucking they he, they do some light bondage once and she freaks out runs away and then he like chases after her for the rest of the books to get her and then they never sign in any sort of BDSM contract or anything. I am so fucking turned on right now. I can't stand <laughs> it's it. It's really hot. That's amazing. Yeah. And every sex scene is exactly the same. Uh. They fuck, she comes, and then he comes immediately afterwards. And it's the same like paragraph. If you could just fucking copy and paste a paragraph to every section, just put it in various different places. And romance novels do the same thing. I don't know why this is something new. Jackie Collins wrote probably two dozen books full of nothing but this kind of thing. I never read any Jackie Collins, but I did read Barnabas Collins. And he's fucking scary as shit. <laughs> this is not like that at all. He is scary. He's the undead. And then want to hear how it ends, the third book? 
No. Okay. I don't even want. To, I don't even understand the plot. Why would I now just know the end? I'm going to wait for the movie. Okay. You're going to be really. Well, isn't that all, isn't the movie like entirely about sex? I don't understand how the movie is going to be not. It's going to be a fucking commercial for Audi with fucking shitty sex scenes fucking intermingled into it. <laughs> okay. It's fucking retarded. The woman has no personality, and he's just a, he's a redheaded guy, too. He's like a ginger, and they talk Perfect. about Perfect. I'm going to try to call Dave's agent <laughs> and get him great. in for that. <laughs> Davey should be um, Christian Grey. Um, would you take my cums, he, he says immediately. <laughs> <laughs> That's hot. Yeah. Um, everybody is a buzz in the... Uh, hall that uh, Neil Diamond's here. You never know who people are going to get really red hot for. No, no, sometimes it changes. Like the first time Will Smith was here, a buzz. Second time, not as buzzy. Yeah, the first I think because the first time he was here, he showed up unexpectedly and he didn't do any. Interviews. Right, that's he a was, great idea. He was just hanging out and he, the he did a Neil Diamond. And I, like, I just showed up on my own. I walked by like, and just fucking took a look at him. And they, <laughs> this is like, all right, shit. There's Will Smith right there. You know, for me, and this actually um, stopped me in my tracks, was Julian Lennon, because he just looked like John Lennon was here. And I just went like that. I almost screamed and yelled out, I thought you were dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank God you didn't do that. I, and then I got over and I screamed, I've created life. Somehow, I started taking credit for it. Somehow. What do you think of the biggest buzz that's ever been here? Oprah was gigantic buzz. Martha Stewart was gigantic buzz. Lady Gaga was, was pretty big. Pretty fucking big. Lady Gaga. Oh, uh, Lady Gaga. But I wasn't in here because it was in the morning. The weird thing is sometimes at like 8 or 9 o'clock at night up here, there'll be a fucking dance party for one of these DJs, and that whole fucking place is packed out with fucking dozens and dozens of people. The entire fishbowl's packed out, and there's just a shitload of people just dancing in the fucking hallways. And that is crazy. And there's just people outside, and they're dressed like they're going to come up to a club. I think Arthur Van Buren or something? I don't know the fucking <laughs> That's a made-up name. name. It, it, there's a Van Buren somewhere in there. He fucking was spitting From the Van Buren boys? <laughs> that guy in uptown? <laughs> Some EDM. Who did you think was big? Oh, I was gonna say J Cole. People were like really excited. The fashion to see person? No, he's a rapper. Oh. Oh yeah, that was just like oh, last week. Right? AP was really Huge. big. People were buzzing in the halls yeah. about oh, that. Oh yeah, Who they were it? going nuts. Who was it that said that some people that don't even come to work on that day came just to see all day, if you will? <laughs> Topanga AP. was huge. There was Topanga lines. Lines. Of fucking guys crazy here, and you had to fit into. It was every let's say. 28 to 32 year old guy and they're like it's Topanga and I'm like who <laughs> fucking Topanga's here Boy Meets World I'm like what are you talking about yeah it's and they were lined up like fucking 8th graders that have their picture taken with them I definitely um masturbated to Topanga fake porn <laughs> back in the day you know like the photoshop porn oh, you're disgusting <laughs> that should be the book that you write <laughs> Come over to my house and we'll masturbate to some Topanga porn. <laughs> Photoshop well, Topanga porn. Then they then there was some girl named Topanga that isn't. Yeah, here she is, Teen Topanga. <laughs> See, that's she should get a lawsuit. She should get a cease and desist. No, she's over eighteen, right? Oh, she is. Yeah, she is of age. Okay, I don't. She's supposed it. to look like Topanga. Yeah, spitting image. Look, braces and everything. Is that is she spitting? Because Topanga had very large breasts when I saw her. Yeah, well, I, I think they were going for like the boy meets world version of Topanga, I don't not know. the adult legal version. 
the early years. Yeah, she has a passing resemblance to the panga. A little. All right, Serrano Fez show. Make sure you get your grilling pictures up there over the weekend. Also, if you want to come to the next Unmasked, it's going to be very, very, very funny. Hicks, this is your all-time favorite comedian. I love Wanda Sykes. She's a brilliant, hysterical woman. All right, up on the iBang today, uh, there is a story about the Tour de France. And it's one of those events that some people love and some people don't. Uh, but if you're going to watch any bike race and you're going to watch Tour de France, there's some things like Boston Marathon is something that I will have on, but I don't go around watching marathons. I always watch Daytona 500. I don't think I ever catch another race the rest of the year. Uh, I watch the Derby, Belmont. Well, I don't know if I even cared about Belmont unless it's a triple crown. Most people fall off if there's no triple crown. Yeah. The ratings just tank. There's some things that I don't even view as sporting events uh, or not. But one of the questions that came up, and we'll put this up on the iBang if you want to be part of it, what is it about Americans that there are, the whole world loves Formula One, soccer, Tour de France, and we do not join in. Hicks, I'll go to you first. What do you think that is? I think it's xenophobia. We don't like things that we're not familiar with. And we have our sports like football and baseball. And uh, basketball, but we just and we're happy with them. So if something new comes in, we don't want to learn new rules. We want we don't want to become familiar familiar with it. So if you're not raised that way, you do not like it. Yeah, I think it, I think I will tell you this though. And this is the difference between us and the rest of the world. I don't know whether you watched the NBA draft last night. I didn't catch it. Canadians, Russians, uh, Africans, Asians, Germans. It's becoming this world sport, and they're, they're treating us like the Premier League now. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I don't know whether Americans are catching on to the fact that the rest of the world is in love with basketball and slowly catching up with us. Now, is it going to happen next Olympics? No, probably not the Olympics after that. But 20 years from now, I could see us being the number two basketball thing because we don't always pay attention to what the world's doing uh xenophobia is what a european uh, just anything just anything anything not from america anything outside if it's un-american we don't like it yeah see i think it's a prejudice in the form of if we didn't invent it on this continent we don't want to get into it we invented cars though so formula one why is the rest of the world in the formula one and we're not and it is a, it's a very international thing and i didn't know much about it until i watched that documentary but they go to all the beautiful places yeah and then race you know it would be like racing in miami beach or something you know like it's yeah. like you shut the town down it looks like a great party yeah you know i've never watched any car racing but if i were going to start to me it would be my, that i would find i think i would find formula one more interesting than just a track where you know it might be a very big and you, circle and you're saying because they use the city because they use the city the landscape changes and it just seems like like there's more of uh, more interesting things to see I, so saw, I can't imagine why anyone who liked car racing wouldn't like both though I saw one of those um, that was done down in Florida because Paul Newman was going to be part of it and a friend of mine was shooting it so I went to hold cable for them <laughs> you know just so nice. I could be down there and I saw Paul Newman's partner get killed 
And here's the weird thing. Jesus. I was standing there when Paul Newman got out of his car and found out that his partner got killed. And I said to him, you believe this shit? I go, it's such a nice day. Now this happens. <laughs> I go, remember in Cool Hand Luke? He was so fucking good at that. Bring you up know? his other movies while his friend died. Yeah, yeah and I went like this. Shaking the tree balls. Shaking the tree. I go, that was fucking amazing. How many eggs can you really eat? <laughs> as, long as, you, as long as you didn't tweet right after. <laughs> but it was, uh, well, there was, this was pre-Twitter. Yeah, pre-Twitter. It was a pre-Twitter age. <laughs> but Formula One, so this is the biggest thing in all of Europe, South America. Yeah. And we ate. Asia loves it. Everybody loves it. And we don't. It's well, Antarctica does It's definitely doesn't love one it. of the biggest sports in the world. Um, Mike loves it. He wa but Mike has whatever the opposite of xenophobia is. He just loves to. The fact he that has America, an anti-American phobia. If America doesn't like a sport, that intrigues him, and so he'll check it out. Uh, but I also can't stand that he acts like I love soccer, but I won't pay attention to Team USA. Come on, dude. Well, now he now he loves the Chicago Fire. So yeah, that's, sure. That's if you're nice troll. to him, that's being a troll. Thank you. He's trolling American okay. soccer. <laughs> He's not trolling. <laughs> he likes it. Nope. That's why he won't make a cronut for everybody. Is that what they're called? Cronuts is cronuts. the hottest, newest shit here in New York City. One place has got them, and they sell out almost immediately. They, they only make, make only two hundred a day. Why isn't anyone else making them then? Because somebody else invented them. Yeah, but it's not like you have a patent on it. Hmm, that's probably true, too. We tried to get some this morning, already sold out. Well, let's get I a recipe going and make our own. I don't like the word try. I like do. I agree with Yoda on that one. <laughs> um, all right, what about the bicycling? I mean, we had the best bicycler in the world, or cyclist in the world. I have never watched the Tour de France, mostly because... Um, I don't know what I'm watching. I don't know who Go I'm watching. Go over the iBang right now. I'm going to see who wrote this, though. He wrote it up himself, and he did a fabulous job. Um, Matt Sesta, oh, he is terrific. And he wrote up, uh, the name of the piece is basically, uh, watch the 100 Tour de France. Here's why. I, I read this last night. And, oh, you did read yeah, it? Yeah, I did read it, and I am seriously really interested in watching now, because I think, you know, for me, anyway, I've no, I don't have any prejudice against it, I just never was interested, because I don't know who to watch, I don't know why that person's interesting to watch, but kind of getting to know a little bit of, you know... But we've already been through this in this country, everyone got behind that guy, um, steroid boy, what's his name? Lance Armstrong. Yeah, and... <laughs> It still didn't catch on in this country. Part of the reason why I find, always found Lance Armstrong to be annoying long before I found out he was a steroid I, I junkie. I did, too. And that, so that never pulled me in. But, you know, I didn't know. I mean, I, I'm just reading, like, this quote on the side here. Um, one of the most popular stages is an eight-and-a-half-mile climb with 21 hairpin turns, and they climb it twice in one day. That, that's interesting to me. I, I would like to see that. You can see bits of it on ESPN. You don't have to watch the whole thing. Well, yeah, it's. I think it's over a month, so I'm, I'm definitely not going to watch the whole thing. But I will tune in and check out at least the opening race and see if see if it see if it's of interest. Maybe the reason why people don't like like foreign sports is because there's no um, like face for them for a lot of them. Like for well, I guess for cycling it was Lance Armstrong, but people didn't really like him. And then like for soccer, for men's soccer, I guess there hasn't really been like. You know, one guy who we can like 
you know, go behind and like cheer for him. So. Tons of them. Yeah, we got some guys. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know anything about sports. Team so. USA is uh, coming on great in soccer. They really are. But it is like Hicks said. Um, don't want to take oh, the time to learn the rules. It. It's <laughs> it's like the metric system. The rest of the world jumps on board. We don't we don't have it here. We didn't come up with it. We don't want to take the time to learn it. Well, it's weird because well, why should we? But there's like we? hate for it. I, I understand saying like ah, I'm not involved. Uh, but you know. we have hate for things that we don't understand. Yeah. Because they think other people like I've had people say to me before. The people who like opera are just showing off, and they don't really like it. <laughs> and there are people who are like, well, why? When you try to watch soccer, people will go, hey, you know what would be better? And you go like this. Look, they don't want it. This is the most popular sport in the world. They don't need you to make it faster. They don't need you to score more. Because we're always going, how can we score more in soccer? And you're like, the world isn't looking to score more. They already love the game. Yeah. Now, the fact that Fez is bringing up, we don't want to learn. Why do you learn the, the, the sports that you do love? Um, because I find them interesting, and it was because my father would take me. It's what it all had to do with. When you're a little kid, and you learn it without thinking about it, and now you feel like you have some knowledge of that sport, but that is, you didn't take an interest in that sport. It was shown to you as a kid, and other men would be into it, so then you would start and pick up on it, and you would feel more like a man. I'm surprised that soccer hasn't, isn't even, it's it's actually pretty popular in this country. But now we're on to the fact that at least a couple generations of kids have grown up with soccer being the primary sport that they play first. Mm -hmm. Because it's easier yep. than playing football, basketball, uh, and Baseball. It's certainly easy than playing baseball. When you you talk about a game that you start to fucking swing at a bat when you're like two or three, right? It takes you about to your ten or eleven before you're actually fielding the ball, making plays, understanding how to make. The yeah, plays. And yeah, <laughs> and knowing what position yeah. you should be going, who's covering what. It takes about 10 years of playing before you start to play on a level that even starts to look like baseball. <laughs> um, here's uh, Eric. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, y'all. How's it going? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you're right, Ronnie. Uh, world soccer, U.S. soccer is getting there. Um, you know, you look at uh, our players up top uh, who are it, it's basically the guys who are playing in Europe and playing in these big leagues. The more of those guys we have, uh, the better our soccer gets. And we're getting there. We're still a ways away, uh, but we're getting there. But what I wanted to say was, you know, and I don't have all of the facts as to who wrote this book or whatever, but it might have been Tim Kirchin. Um, there was a book written by one of these ESPN guys where uh, they talk about the fact that when our country was founded, um, you know, up in New England, there were these conversations and these boardroom meetings, if you will, where there was a uh, a focused effort to distance ourselves as a country from everything British, and um, that largely uh, had to do with sport in the culture, and so that's why we have no cricket, there's very little rugby, and they, they basically spoke out against football as the Brits know it, and came up with our NFL or our American football, because they didn't want anything to do with these British guys and their soccer and their sport culture. Um... Yeah, there is a lot to be said on the fact that we had a revolution against uh, 
England, but of course Canada didn't, and they don't exactly love soccer either. I mean, we're ahead of them when it comes to soccer. Uh, but it's a good point. Why should we include ourselves in the world sports? What uh, if people say NASCAR is better than Formula One? What's wrong with that statement? Well, we don't have to. But what, what fascinates me is that people will just, you know, have so much. I refuse to even find out about it, or get angry when they hear other people interested in it. Now, for me, with soccer, when I heard how, when I learned how popular it was everywhere else, and that we, the fact that we didn't like it at all, I, w I had to check this thing out. And now that's how I feel. I, you know, I, I would hear about the Tour de France every year, but, but I had no idea. But be honest, so many people. Do you like any of those sports as much as football? Because you're a football person. You're like Fez. You're almost a one. -spot. Person. I'm getting there. The, the biggest obstacle for me to be more knowledgeable and in tune with soccer is just that I find I have a hard time figuring out the schedules and figuring out when but, things but are happening. Here's the thing. You're not even a baseball fan. No, I don't like I baseball. mean, that's your national pastime, baseball, and you pay no attention to it. And then you're like, hey, how come you guys won't watch people ride around on a bicycle? That's based on checking it out and, and you know, giving it a chance and then just not taking it. You know, and I've tried, you know, multiple times. I've gone back within the last few I, years I feel and like watched I, a baseball I feel game. like I've given um, cycling a chance. And um, that's fine. Then that's, that's absolutely fine. I saw it once. <laughs> um, here is uh, the Brooklyn Blowhard. How you doing, Blow? Hello, everybody. Uh, there's a misconception in this discussion. Uh, people don't realize it, but soccer is growing leaps and bounds. If this was 10 years ago, I would agree with this discussion. I, but I, there are pro I, franchises popping up all over. You figure millions of school kids play soccer every day. The game is more popular than ever. NBC Sports Network just signed a big deal to televise uh, soccer. Um, it's getting huge. And like I said, there are franchises popping up uh, when the European I, I will tell you this though I am much more of a fan of the international soccer than I am watching Chicago Fire against oh, Denver whatever because what and I do think that's how they need to build it but I love international sports I don't care what it is if it's one country against another if they had formula 1 racing and it was team USA <laughs> I would watch that I'm like, yeah, let's fucking beat them, other people. I agree. Uh, that would definitely make it more interesting. And I agree with you, Blowhard. It's definitely getting bigger, but there's still an awful lot of... It's still small compared to everything else, and there's still no, so many people... Than a lot of sports that Do you know how long it took to, to grow football? Yeah. No, but there, no, there's still No, you don't. So you don't realize that that sport was around in the 20s and even earlier and really took until the 60s till it got enormous... With TV contracts in the seventies before it took over. And I think hey, Ronnie, um, recently Fox, the network, yeah, um, televised on Saturday afternoon um, Premiership English Premiership games, and they got higher numbers than a lot of hockey, a lot of sports that we think are okay, but this Premiership numbers, and then when the friendlies come, when these teams come to play in America. Uh, whether it's the national teams, maybe it's the Bundesliga from Germany, yeah. the Italian League. They sell out. They fill up these stadiums. People are starving for soccer, and now they're bringing back the Cosmos. The Cosmos are back. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I'm just saying yeah. that there is... They don't have a stadium. There's, no. there's a big interest. There is a big interest. No, my, my point really is only that if I say to someone or put on a Twitter that I'm watching a soccer game, I will get an enormous amount of comments back of people like, 
angry. Like, what are you watching that garbage for? Oh, soccer, you're one of those people. And you know, HTG, you said you have a problem with scheduling and stuff. Stick to one team in one league. Um, go to the, the league's website. And you'll have no problem. Oh, yeah, you that's absolutely the, true. But follow it, the Liverpool. That, that should be your like, team. And just follow the websites, the fan sites. There's thousands of fan sites around the world, especially. If, and I'm a fan of the Premiership. Uh, my neighbors are diehard soccer fans for English teams. And every Saturday morning or Sunday, they take the subway into Brook, into Manhattan, and they go to a sports bar, and the place is packed because their team is playing that day. We now have several yeah. soccer ballers that do giant business in New York. And then when the English games are over, maybe one, there's right? a Spanish yeah. league game, and even a Norwegian league game. No, I, I, I know that. But, you know, like, if you follow Team USA, you know, you'll suddenly find, you know, you just found out, oh, they're, they're playing today. Oh, the what? Website. I didn't know. We haven't played in three months. I didn't know there was a game coming up today. That's because you got to follow it. Yeah, you gotta, it, when there's big gaps between the games, you, you're not going to go onto a website every day. I just think it could get a little bit better. I, I would say that a sports fan is going to follow it. Every day. If you want to be a baseball fan, you're going to check the box scores every day. You can't be, you know, a casual fan is not really well, a fan. If you're a, a fan of any sport, you honestly have to put time in. The only difference is with baseball, you know it's baseball season. There's going to be games played from this month to this month. And with soccer, it doesn't quite work like that. Oh, they'll tell you that in the Premiership League. It's over now. And now the teams are doing some friendlies and traveling around. And then they do international in that. That's why right. it feels like so, it's not over field. So when you so when you say you know you, you but you need to if you want to follow those all around you would by your advice pick a team in each one of those leagues and then it's you know, up to you. Pick yeah, the team. Right. Whatever. You know, I don't you, have, other than Team USA, I don't have a team that I you, consider my Sunday team. Morning, You've got to get a team. Watch the Mexican league. And I'll I get a team. A team and it's a. Uh, See, for me, it's, it was built in. I, I grew up, it was ethnic. It was all blue-collar ethnic because I belonged to a Norwegian soccer club. And in Brooklyn, it was very ethnic. We played the Italians. We played the Greeks. We played the Swedes. And that's how I got into soccer as a young kid, unlike a lot of other people. But now that it's getting more mainstream, you can just go on the Internet. Just go to the premiership and see who's playing friendlies. Go to, like I said, all the information is there. No, I, I the understand, Bart. I, I, I know that to watch U.S. And I know to watch Argentina. You gotta listen to them, though. You gotta follow. You gotta go to the website. You gotta but follow. I, I know how to go to. There's, you I, don't know. You don't, don't go to the website. You don't know how to go. Why are you getting mad? You, <laughs> you gotta go to the website. Highway. Go to the right. website. I'll go to the website. But yeah, what, <laughs> what team do you want to say? Yeah, there's www. You had to put HTTP. Okay. All right. And then just go to the thing and follow along. All right. What, why did that aggravate you? He's trying to teach you how to follow a team. That's but not here's what you, you got to get a team, go to the website, and follow <laughs> Premier League. You're not, you're not, you're not shopping for a team. Then, I just enjoy the sport. I have a couple teams I but, watch but in like, the other leagues. I don't have a team, but, but I, I like to follow. If you were telling somebody I wanted, that said they wanted to be a football fan, would you tell them to follow the NFL? Or to pick a team, and if you really want to know personalities, you can only follow something, and then you branch well, out. I wasn't really asking Blowhard for help as much as making <laughs> a point, but yes, if someone was came to me and said I want to learn, you know, football more, I'd, I'd sit down and sit with them and explain to them. Well, here's when the season is, and here are the teams that are playing. I talk to the them. Website. I wouldn't say go to the website. What <laughs> but the hell? You got to go to the website. Premierleague.com. <laughs> you don't know when it starts. It's especially like that with college football. 112 teams. I've heard a lot. 
lot of people say, I can't follow college football. There's just way too many teams go to go after. Go to but most people don't. Most people are not college football fans. They're fans of one single place, normally the state school from where they live. And that state school, let's say, bring up one of them, like Nebraska, right? Sure. You could go to their website. <laughs> right, find out when the games are being played. You don't know about you, that. What website? You don't know about website. What's websites. the website? What? It's always amazing to me what gets somebody a red ass so fast. Like, hey, blow I know. Don't fucking tell me again. <laughs> the website. You're pissed. I don't know, pissed. Yeah, passion then. I'm passionate. There's a button that says clubs. You can pick <laughs> <laughs> See? But Arsenal, it's that easy. It's a handy website. Uh, Chelsea. That's easy. Looks pretty good. Um, here's Taylor in Texas. You're on the Run Fed Show. Hey. Yeah. Um, I just want to know what you guys think about um, they built that new Formula One track down in Austin. Um, you think that'll bring more fans from America, um, considering that none of the other tracks, um, I mean, the closest one is in Canada. and there's I don't no know enough about team. it. I, I don't know enough about Formula One. It seems like between um, a NASCAR and the Indy cars, is there even room for Formula One in this country? And that's what happened to soccer. Now, if you look, what's the fastest growing sport you think in this country right now? Soccer. UFC. If you look at that, they were able to come in because boxing fell off so much. And suddenly people were able to say, here's another sport. That is, it can remind you of boxing, but can also has a little more of the attitude of um, WWE. And suddenly now they've made a market. It's a perfect way to show you yeah. how to build a fucking market. And you can't do it without TV, by the way. You, you cannot do no. it. And you could also try coming in during the off season, but that doesn't always work. Never works. It never works. It never works for you to go, we're having spring football. And, you know, you just, you're not, the NFL is such a strong product that no one needs a sub-NFL. Not just the NFL, but college football on Saturdays and in the NFL on Sundays. If that's not enough football with you, you really have something wrong with you. <laughs> it's enough. If you really start to think to yourself, I need even more football, <laughs> you'd have to be nuts. I don't even want the extra games they're trying to tack on. I can't keep up with the... Thursday night games. I well, forget to bet them every year. Last season, they, they were just all really bad. They were just all just shit games. And they, but if you're not, if you're not paying attention, you're watching four straight days of football. Mm -hmm. That's a little fucking nuts. And that, I think that's part, part of what made football so strong in this country was that it was, you know, you had your day a week, sometimes two, but mostly your day a week that you paid attention to it. You knew when to show up and it didn't, you know, you had your day. All that makes sense, except for NFL hasn't fallen off at all. So I would say we don't know how much football people want and can take right now. I'm curious nationwide how many people do not put in their fantasy stuff on the Thursday night shows. I'm curious how many people forget that there's Thursday night games. You know, I don't know if it's just because I'm the same. So I don't, is it just us or does everybody kind of blow off that? I don't think we're used to it. And you even forget that you have the NFL channel. You know, but football was the difference between football, between, let's say, baseball, hockey, basketball, is that it used to be that every game mattered.
mm-hmm. they're getting out of that now. You know what I mean? Where so yeah. many, where all of a sudden you you wouldn't have been able to follow football before. If hey, I'm going to wait to the playoffs or the last couple of weeks and then jump into it. You could probably do that now. You could probably be a guy who waited, like a lot of people do with baseball and basketball and hockey. Uh, and I think that'll fuck football up if you get to that point, where it doesn't matter that you lost three in a row, you know? And I think it's a problem. We, we brought this up the other day of who's the next dynasty. The fact that we do not have great teams, it might help everybody to stay involved, but you need greatness to define your sport. You need greatness to define the times that you live in, no matter what it is. If it does start to decline, I think it's going to be because of how they run the football year. I mean, you start now late July with the Hall of Fame game, and then you go all the way through February with the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl, stop over in April with the draft and free agency. They've basically taken up the whole year. Where I don't think that mo- that yeah. it, that the real hardcores are doing that. I mean, there's no reason for you, to, uh, and people don't show up for preseason games. Yeah, you could skip all that and, without any problem. You know, uh, and if you're just following your t- thing, but I I was thinking more of if you add the the two extra games that they're talking about. I don't think that you want to get to the point they, where it doesn't matter, and it's already a problem where you can be eight and eight and make it to the playoffs. I think that you want some greatness in football. But having said that, and even with the things that you said, Fez, they're not showing any signs of slowing down, so maybe we're completely wrong. I mean, I can't blame them for saying how much they can sell to people, you know? I can't blame them for saying, hey, look, if there's money on the table, I don't want to leave it. Um, A little later on, we're going to do our weekender question. Hicks, have you picked out a uh, prize yet? I got a... American Pie, signed by Eugene Levy. Oh, God, I thought it was the song. I was like, that would have been tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> she said, Eugene Levy signed DVD of American Pie. A long, long time ago, I can still remember. <laughs> <laughs> he was in here, what, last year? Yeah. And he could not answer my question, have you ever written anything close to as good as American Pie? It's got to be tough when you write a song, right? That makes it into, if you were going to do a greatest song of all time list, it's a top ten song. It's ridiculous. Then I don't know whether you could fit anything else in, you know, no matter where you were going. He was just up over his head on that one song. 71. That's when he wrote it. What's that got to do with it? (laughs) going on for a long time. He's fucking back in the day there. Yeah. I don't know whether he saw Mr. Neil Diamond come in here today. Oh, I saw him. He's still wearing blue jeans, and I go, forever, Neil? Forever in these things? <laughs> Seriously, Heartlight. I go, this song touched my Heartlight. <laughs> I couldn't take Lead. one more step. <laughs> this is going to make it, it's like so nice. I'm isn't like it? about to cry. Yeah, I get to you a little bit. And so I felt with Neil Diamond here. You know what you gotta do is go to his website. There's, uh, <laughs> there's uh, you know, his touring information. NeilDiamond.com. Merch. He's any merch singer. that you want. I think I was 15 before I realized that the movie, the jazz singer that everybody talks about, was not the Neil Diamond one. Mm. Well, Al Jolson, it was the first talkie. Yeah, I Stuff know. to beat. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> confused I made a movie and now my ears work. That was the first time ever in a movie, and then whenever it went, shh. 
There, never before did anyone care that people were talking. But did you ever hear about, like, when they first started showing movies? That they were showing like this train, and people in the theater dove on the ground. That's awesome. And some people ran out of the theater. Run away, train! Oh my god. That happened with King Kong. People were like <laughs> genuinely terrified. And if you look back now, the footage looks so hokey and bad. I still love it though. I still love the first King Kong. You still get scared? Um. Yeah, I don't know what I think it's scared, but I just love the way that movie looks. The, uh, this uh, new movie, uh, the, the Tonto movie, that's out. It, they're back to jumping in and off of trains, and they didn't do it CGI. They did like train stunts. I like which that. we haven't done probably since, you know, the forties, fifties, and sixties. But I was thinking about the movies that I watched because if there was a cowboy movie on TV when I was a little kid, I watched it. And I didn't give a shit. And I had, like, a cowboy gun. I was fucking shooting back. But now, the kind of racist things <laughs> about the way we treated Indians in those movies. Because most of the movies that you see on TV were made, you know, even years before. You know, when you watch a TV movie, they're, like, 20 years old. So, most of the movies are, like, those savages... We're going to kill those savages. Look what those savages did to these people. And then there would be the one good Indian who would be kind of dressed up like us, oh, helping yeah. us kill Indians. I and never, then people would even be mean to him. I never watched the westerns, but I got all that from Bugs Bunny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's websites. Here, let me give you this thing. <laughs> you, I, I am you don't know now, about this. So... You don't know what you're doing. Oh, this is let good. me help you. You don't know a goddamn thing that you're doing. You're really westerns. stupid at this, so I'm going to help you with this. What's the name of YouTube. it? YouTube.com. <laughs> They got something to help girls. It's called a website. <laughs> well, Blowhard really is at the cutting edge. So I Why did he make you mad? I thought he was talking very nice. <laughs> Why did that make you because so he mad? he was misunderstanding what the problem was. was it just wasn't that to I don't know how to go to a website. It was actually that a lot of the websites aren't particularly helpful. Up on the iBank today, uh, paintings that look like America. Let's see what we have here. All right, what's the the name of the first painting is American Gothic. And everyone knows this these these two old farm people American Pastoral. With, what's that? American Pastoral. I thought it was called American Gothic. American Gothic, isn't it? Oh, that's weird. You got to go to a fucking website and take a look at this. Uh but this picture everyone's familiar with this. It's one of the first things you see when you're a little kid and they're trying to teach you about art. I always had an uneasy feeling seeing this, like I was a little kid being dropped off and I had to stay with these people <laughs> for a while. I find them to just be so frightening looking and unfun and unfriendly. He looks like he hits her. He does, doesn't he? Oh, I don't think they have that close of a relationship. <laughs> I don't think it's... I think they're colder than that. And they both... They almost look like brother and sister. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's a lot of love in that house. But I don't think there's enough passion to smack. And it reminded me of, like, if you had to go to an older relative's house when you were a little kid. And it just felt like you were being smothered with unfun. I want to go to that house. That house is still standing. No, were those actually real people that they painted like that? I don't remember, but I know that you can go and try on the clothes and take the picture and oh, all that. God, so heck no. <laughs> so it's a, just an attraction? Yeah. We ought to do a new one of those, but where the 
the people are just so fat. You know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> just she's just gigantically fat. Uh, and they're only <laughs> they're one of those little tricycles. <laughs> the only way they can get around. All right, what do we got for the second one here? Um, what's the name of the six? Cow Skull, Red, White, and Blue. All right, now to me, this looks like an Eagles album cover. Early Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> like the 1973 Desperado-type Eagles. Badass. Now this is George O'Keefe, right? Yeah. The Cow Skull, Red, White, and Blue. And with George O'Keefe, you always have to find the vagina. I found it. Found <laughs> it. Is. it. Is that a thing? Yeah, every oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot the vagina, of flowers yeah. that she draws. That's why no they're idea. in every yeah. college dorm yeah. room. Just yeah, For, well, girls, they're just like I'm going through my experimental time. <laughs> but yeah, I I do agree. That's a pretty American picture. Uh, what's the next one? This also frightened me. This is uh, Wyeth, um, Christina. Is the name of it. They used to have this at MoMA. I don't know what if they still do. When I was a kid and I saw this, and I'm from Pennsylvania, where the Wyeth family is from, it always bugged me that they don't... It seems like she crawled out of a, a wheelchair, or there was a wheelchair accident. Oh, you know, those legs don't look <laughs> normal to me. Or... Is she hiding? Is there some kind of in-cold-blood murder going on in that house? She's hearing her parents screaming while she's <laughs> laying back there, ducked down a little bit, with her non-working legs. It, uh, that's what it looks like to me. Non-working legs? Yeah, and like someone just dumped her out of her wheelchair and then ran away with the wheelchair, and now she's trying to make her way to the house. Help! This has been an accident. Well, maybe it's not even a wheelchair. The fucking tractor oh, turned no. over, oh. crushed her brother's sternum. Her <laughs> legs were, she dug her way out of there, chewing off her own ankle, and she's crawling to the house. But this was amazing to me because I'd always seen this picture. But then the first time I went to MoMA, and you could actually see it in paint. And see like the little pieces of it. It was fascinating thing because I've I've always just thought of it more as an illustration, you know. It, the landscape it seems smooth. Looks basically exactly like um, Courage the Cowardly Dog. I feel like <laughs> I've brought this up before, <laughs> which kind of makes me feel weird. But it looks you bring it up quite a bit. <laughs> Why is that? That's always so relevant to the conversation. But you you're a little not. bit obsessive. <laughs> you're a little obsessive. No, Hicks, do you like art? Do you like paintings? Yeah. I think I saw, I saw this at the MoMA. I think if I could paint, I wouldn't be doing anything but that. You know what I mean? I would never watch TV. I wouldn't fucking talk to people. I would just sit and paint all the time. And people would go, like, hey, can you come to that thing? I go, I can't. I'm painting. I can paint. You can't. <laughs> like, look at this one. I, I call it girl with bad legs trying to crawl back, but her parents are being murdered in cold blood style in the scary farmhouse. Wow. Someone misread that completely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to write that under the painting at MoMA. This is a typo. Careful. There's a fucking bloodbath going on in that house. There used to be a speech bubble, but uh, they took it out. All right, what's the next one we have? But I think it's like a miracle that people can do that. If you put an empty canvas in front of me and gave me a bunch of paints, I think I would just stand there. I wouldn't even know what to put on on the canvas, even if I was just messing around. Apparently, it's one of those things that you either can do. Or it's, like, do you ever notice that there's some people that they can't, when you're kids, they're just like, 
They have to draw. Yeah. They just have to. And these people don't stop it. What always kills me, like, if you go to MoMA, you look at a lot of those people, and you're like, I think I could do that one. But they don't ever stop. They're just like, yeah, I'm putting it out there. You know, making shit happen. <laughs> Maybe you can Here. copy it, but... No, I'm talking about there's some things. I don't want to just say Basquiat. But there's <laughs> some people... That if you did it, I'd go, ha, 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 you tried to draw something and you can't. But with him, it, there's a confidence that comes along. Now, this one, uh, Nighthawks, which I saw in Chicago, too. Um, this is a Tom Waits song before he ever started singing. I think Tom Waits based his career on that painting. And why is this such a, a great American painting? What is it about? I mean, I, I guess that's obviously Chicago, right? Yeah. Just people, maybe a diner, a diner culture, or just maybe because it's on a corner. But it's so lonely and sad, and but it also feels like you can find other lonely people. It's just such an American experience. There's this little place that stays open, and you know you're 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 the night people that are up because you're I don't know maybe he's a reporter. He's got stuff to do at night. And anyone can guess why I always love this painting. It's very obvious. Not one of you. The word Phillies. Thank you, Fess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nat Hogs at the data. But it just, it just feels like a place that everyone could say, I've been to that place or something just like it. Well, actually, there's not good enough places that anymore. Now you're going to be now. in a fucking Dunkin' Donuts. Now it's a memory. Can you imagine that as a Dunkin' Donuts? It would be like worst <laughs> fucking thing ever. You should Shit. get someone to do, like you were saying with the um, American Gothic, how there would be like an update for that. You could do this with like a modern update. See, that update. would be all right. We'll just, we'll do things of every one of these. Yeah. And like with the Christina, <laughs> we'll have a trail of blood that she's dragging her bloody carcass. And her dead brother in the tractor. That's now, not really like a modern update, though. <laughs> just... uh, now, Dunkin' Donuts oh, yeah. might look like, Well, she's wearing a G-string. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Hot. Dunkin', Dunkin Donuts, Donuts would look shitty. Would look shitty, but the, I think the one piece of art that I've purchased <coughs> that I have saved and treasure, and you're going to laugh at me, it's a painting of a White Castle. Are you are you interested in art? Uh, you yeah, like I art? love art. There's a website I'm gonna send you to. <laughs> what is it? It's easy to do callbacks. Where do I go? It, it, it's passed off as you got the courage dog that I'm gonna put that in the Christina <laughs> thing. Um is that it, Hicks? Is that R five? One more. Uh, Norman Rockwell uh, causes so many people to argue whether or not he is an artist. <laughs> Some people Can just they? think that he's an illustrator or a graphic designer. Um, this is the what, what is this called? Thanksgiving or it's a freedom from want. There's uh, four of them. There's three. Other, I can't think of it. There's freedom from want. Freedom from I don't remember what the other ones are. Oh, I'm glad you brought it up. The four freedoms <laughs> is the name of the series. <laughs> um, well, let's focus on the one that we have. Now, you know what I like about this is it's almost like a memory, like the second that he did it. You know what I mean? Like, it has that thing of 
less than like really being family. This is like fake family. It's creepy. In other words, it's like family with their their best face on, mm -hmm. with the most amount of food. Like, look at us. We're all together. We have a lot of food. Aren't we a good family? You find it creepy, Hicks? Yeah. Uh, the f the two kids in the, in the left corner, they just, just seem something <laughs> fucking off. Yeah, they are. They're they're spooky and, and, and they're up to no good. And this fucking guy in the corner is in the right hand corner is definitely a creep. He's yes. a jokester. No, he's not a jokester. He's a toucher. Is what I'm fucking There's thinking. There's one in every I, family though at every table. Mm, I hope no. not. I hope there's not. There's the creepy. That, no, there's the guy who looks like he does that at every family table. I'm going to talk <laughs> with your family because. I don't think what you're saying is true, and if they've told you that's true, that's just to help you keep the secret. Reassuring her, like every family has one. Uh, do you do you love this picture, or you like Hicks and you find it creepy? I I love this picture, but I do think it's um, it's not a realistic depiction of anybody's. But the fact is, holiday. we do realistically try this. You it's know what I mean? Ideal. Like. And we do go, look, we're going to make this a great Thanksgiving. Everybody's coming. So that part of it, I do love the fact. Yeah, I think that's that, nice. The, but it's staged as this. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think we it's stay, We stage these family memories. What about you, Molly? You like it or you don't like it? I like it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I definitely think it's like idealist, but it's... I don't know. It just looks classic. It's just classic Shelby. What? what? <laughs> really? Poor Shelb. He needs to sit in with us. Shelb, come on in. Come on, Shelb. Um, Fez, I know that you're not a big art fan, right? No, not at all. Um, do you like this? I I do like this. The only thing, uh, everybody's smiling. I enjoy it, but I get the look on the woman's face who's actually holding the turkey. Like, she's the one who's not enjoying this because she's having to do all the work while everyone else is sitting around laughing. But wow. you don't see that as an enjoyable thing? Uh, oh, I also, well, just trying to read her mind, um, it looks like she wouldn't let anyone else in the kitchen either. No. <laughs> Do you see what, we're, what happens with this kind of thing? I'm loving it. It's Everybody's great. reflection of their own family. And it's like we're in a shrink office. He's seeing his mom... <laughs> Uh, Hicks is seeing the evil children. You <laughs> spot the kid toucher immediately. And no, I. I yes, you did. And I think of it as staged. You know, like everything is a performance. I, but I, uh, I saw that woman, and I will agree that she's the one working. But Fez reads so much into it that you realize how much when people look at art. And that's why I wonder if a lot of people hate art because they think. They're being, their yeah, thing. they're being exposed. See, I, I, you know, what Fess said about the woman was interesting to me because I like thinking of myself in that role. I think that's a great role to be in, and I'm almost a little jealous of her. Like, I want, you know, I want to be served. But you're that. also mean. So that's, you know, going back to what Fez <laughs> said. Right. Um, Shelby, you look at this. You're not a guy who follows a lot of art, right? Why you say that? Well, <laughs> because you look like one of the creepy children. <laughs> That's up to no good. <laughs> you are a guy who loves art. It's uh, it's all right. I mean, I guess the first. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's, it's art's all right. Yeah, not, uh, it's I'm great. It's great to discuss with you. Yeah. Uh, I would have added to me the Hockney pool paintings. Um, always to me, I know that they're more West Coast and an LA thing, but I think that they're just. 
the most suburban paintings. They just, they fucking haunt me. And even though I never would want to overpay for something, I might for a fucking Hockney. And I, I have no idea why. I could not describe why I love these paintings. That one's creepy. Um, what is the... <laughs> I always thought the great American painting would be... The, I think it's called Summer Sleepwalker. Could be it. No. I know it's a kid standing in a uh, swimming pool. I always found it to be like a crazy suburban... Uh, it's, he's like standing in a kiddie pool. I what about don't that know. Van Halen cover when the baby is smoking a cigarette, like the baby angel. That's a great American painting. Yeah, I know we shouldn't have brought you in because <laughs> you're going to do your stand-up routine for us. What about, I know, I, I know, I should know more about this painting, but it's Norman Rockwell, and it's of the little black girl whose first name is Ruby. She's uh, the one that's trying to go to school and yeah. they're yelling stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. Ruby Bridges. Um, I think that's a. I think that looks like America in like well, kind of a dark way. Here's the know. thing, though. Like that was like done purposefully to show this thing. It's almost too on the nose. Oh. Like I was saying to Neil Diamond, like you would normally write your pop songs where people, go, what are you doing? And here you're like, America's really good. <laughs> they blew up Boston. God damn those bastards. Um. I think that you you want to leave people a certain thing to, you know, go in their Interpret. own places. Like where Fez sees a scary old lady <laughs> that he thinks is keeping him out of the kitchen. <laughs> out of all of these, what is your favorite? I'm going to ask you, Ma. What is Me? It? Yeah. Um, my favorite is this one. Nighthawks. Nighthawks. Night I think it's awesome. It is amazing. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of feeling for being such a still painting. I don't know. You always know the people that have a real problem. They'll like that painting. Really? Yeah, that's an addiction thing. I don't... Okay. Even now, like, you'll go into a coffee shop, fucking 2 o'clock in the morning, you could start, like, you know, talking about AA things with them. Everybody who's sitting in there. Uh, yeah, just having this coffee and sugar. <laughs> it's great. Smoke, Can't son. sleep at all. But, you know, one day at a time... <laughs> Let go! Oh my God, that's what—that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Shelby, what are you doing for next week? You got anything planned? Nope. Uh, just explore the city a little more, probably. Why don't you go down to Trebek and spend a little time with Molly? For once, you guys can explore the city together. We can mm -hmm. hang. In a pass, but thank okay. you. All right. Fast. It's pretty hurtful, but... You are the gayest person. <laughs> that includes Fez. Why don't you go and uh, uh, explore Gay Pride Day? Maybe I will. Yeah. Put on a shirt to say I'm here to support gays, but I'm very straight. <laughs> so don't fucking start anything with me. They have those t-shirts down That's there. My the son shirt. is gay. Not me. Is what it should say. <laughs> so don't get fucking confused. Right. My son is gay, and I. My son is gay. I threw up at first, but you know what? Could be worse. The long shirt. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe sure. something I did. I did a lot of asset when I was younger. I was tripping when I fucked his mom. So. My son is gay, but you know I wouldn't dump a retard. So why would I dump a gay kid?
That would be even better. My son is gay. My other kid's retarded, and I'm actually closer with him. I feel like I have more in common with him than the gay one. That's going to be some parade. Go down there and sell those shirts. Yeah. That would be so funny. You know what? Gay people would put it on in a heartbeat. This it. is so catch. I love it. It's like Glee or something else that's not entertaining. <laughs> God, what happened to gay people? They used to be so creative. Um, Tom, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, you could have also included in these paintings um, a Warhol. Maybe uh, one of the soup cans represent consumerism, or is Marilyn Monroe print uh, representing, you know, cult of celebrity? I remember when I was, like, in... I think I was in first grade, but it may have been second. So we have an art teacher who starts, like raging against the Warhol soup can, right? <laughs> that this is not art. And it's like, yelling. And I'm like, seeing veins popping out on her old evil head. And I actually start to write down, Andy. <laughs> so that later I could find this fucking great painting that pisses off old people. I'm like, this guy is great. And I think I finally got to see it like in a Time magazine or something. I kept it for a while. I'm like, this fucking painting so awesome. You know, is this the whole thing of you hate it? That means I love it. <laughs> Didn't you expect it to be more obviously subversive, though? Mm, I had no expectations. I didn't even know what art was. <laughs> I was just, here's something that makes teachers mad. Like me. I'm that soup can. <laughs> And that older lady who's mean to everyone and won't let them go into the kitchen and then makes fun of them for gaining some weight when she's the one who makes starches and fried food at every meal. I don't know what she wants from me. Another t-shirt. <laughs> My face oh, hurts from laughter. And she just sits and watches Fox News on her fat ass. Well, guess what? I'm sorry, but I'm your son. Just so revealing. And a lot of times, she'll just look at your underwear before she cleans it and, and blame you on it. Um, what else do we need to plug up on the iBank today? Oh, Blue Center Light Pop celebrates Pride Week. And the Summer Grilling Contest is going on, as well as the next Unmasked. The Weekender is going to be America's Greatest Contribution to the world. That is a tough one to pull off. I'm not sure what our greatest contribution to the world is. Oh. Uh, but you've got quite the prize for it. That's right. American Pie signed by Mr. Eugene Levy. Wow. A Canadian signing something. <laughs> that is so perfect, Chris. American Pie. American. Signed by a Canadian. Eugene Levy is a treat. A Canadian Jew. <laughs> There's an apple pie, pie featured in the movie. Um, yeah, and it gets fucked. <laughs> All right, what about for you, Chris Stanley? And let's be... I'm sure the wise asses are going to be somewhat silly about this, but why can't you be just uh, straight up... What do you think America's greatest contribution to the world has been? I'm going to say rock and roll. What? Yeah, yeah. Go to hell. What, what, what are you gonna say? Nuclear war? What the fuck? Uh, is it one or the other? Is it's that rock the and roll? <laughs> yeah, no, the Rolling Stones, Beatles, Led Zeppelin. Oh, please be right. Yeah, they wouldn't have it. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't have it without us. Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, you're, but, you're wrong. That's why you're saying Jesus Christ, too. Now Jesus. This, by the way, this isn't debate. It's something else <laughs> when this happens. This is supposed to be a nice discussion time where everyone sits He's down. He's jumping on my dick, Susan. Say it. <laughs> but what... You know what the the all the bands that you mentioned would say is the greatest contribution for us? Probably the blues, R and B, all under that title of rock and roll. I mean, they, they, they love rock and roll. they still love rock and roll over there, unlike so us. So you're welcome, world. Hey, world. Um. All right. Well, that'll be up on the iBank today. I've got one. Uh, go ahead. Chocolate chip cookie. We are the ones who invented that? Yeah, we invented the chocolate chip cookie, and I think that's one of the greatest things. All right. Um, all that stuff you can go do up on the iBank win this weekend. i got to break one more time, right, Hex? Yeah, just one more time. Uh, we will be back with the same Grateful Dead song that we play. <laughs> it's U.S. Blues. It's the Fed Show. You're enjoying the Ron and Fez show on Sirius XM's Opie and Anthony channel. More in moments. That's the dead. On the Run and Fez show, fast show for us today. I want to thank my new best friend, Neil Diamond, who said to me, You're a diamond, my friend. A diamond in the rough. Wouldn't it be great if he would just hand out diamonds to people? Glad you're a fan. Here's a little something to remind me by a diamond. Um,. Well, this up on the iBang today. Martha Stewart says she's feels sorry for Paula Dean. America put their boots to Paula Dean. I got an email sent to me today going, uh, "Don't you think Paula Dean uh, got beat up a little more than Alec Baldwin and Mel Gibson when they turn around and say stuff like that? Uh, how can you call somebody a toxic uh, little?" Uh, queen or you're going to shove their foot up their ass but they dig it too much and not have your sponsors drop you and she's being dropped left and right um hicks you think we were too rough on paul dean um first of all i don't think i think it's still going to be keep going on she i think she's going to lose everything else that she has i mean and i and that's being said yeah this woman's getting destroyed for fucking way way too much learn the lion court Learn to do what celebrities do, pay people off, 
to get them to go away so you don't have to go into court and admit the truth. This is why when you accuse a, a, a celebrity of sexual misconduct, they will pay you off rather than go through and go, well, I did say she had a great fucking set of cans. <laughs> you know, because it always sounds bad. It's a lot better. Peel her off a half a million. Yeah. First of all, she's the first person that's gone on and been really pretty honest and just said, yeah, I said that and tried to just explain what Here's why. Going on. We still don't think she's honest. She said the only time she <laughs> used the N-word is when someone held her up and she told the story later. Yeah, when someone pointed a gun at me, I did call him that. But he did point a gun at me. That's the worst time to use it. Why antagonize? <laughs> no, after she, that's what she said later. She didn't call him that. When she said, I got raped by an N. She didn't say, you and you're pointing a gun at me. <laughs> I think she got her fucking, her goddamn uh, sweet potato hole shut when it was time. But yeah, I, I have no problem with, you know, in fact, I think it's great that people are saying, hey, I don't want, you know, me personally, I'm not going to buy anything of hers anymore because I don't like what she said or I don't like what she did. That's fine. But when I, every time I turn on the TV and see these media people, oh, it really infuriates me because they are browbeating the shit out of her and acting like they've never said anything like that in their lives. Well, even the guy in the Today Show, what's his name? I don't know. Matt Lauer. Thank you. He's like, did you really use that word? And I'm like, Matt, I know you, <laughs> I know you got a dad. You know what I mean? Like, you heard that most people hear certain things. I don't, even if people go, well, you know what the Italians are like. That is also prejudice. No matter what you're doing, you it's prejudging. You know you've done it, but what are we doing by ripping all this stuff out of this woman's hands? And the level of judgment and scorn that they're showing her, I don't think they do that to murderers. Here's what I love. All right. Walmart has dropped her. And I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Walmart. Now, Walmart, why don't you bar anyone from your building who's ever said that fucking word? Because you'd look like a ghost town. <laughs> Walmart. Now, Walmart probably dropped her because Food Network dropped her. Why Why be in business with someone who's not going to be able to plug it on Food Network? You know? And that's what happens to your career. It's all based on this one thing. Then go ahead and be honest and say that. And say, you know, our deal was predicated on the fact that she was on the Food Network. And so it's just not commercially viable for us. You don't just think it's better that. to say we were horrified? No, because it's obviously a bunch of bullshit. I'm sure that the I, executives of Walmart have used that word on a, at least a daily basis. I'm going to ask you and Molly this question. Do you think it's a double standard that we treat women rougher than we treat Alec Baldwin, who's, by the way, not going to take any heat yes. whatsoever, or Mel Gibson, who, I don't know. Without what, a doubt. Yeah. I don't think so. I think You don't think it had to do with being a woman? No, I don't think so. I think she... Well, here's what I'm confused about. Everyone's focusing on the fact that she used the N-word, but what about all the stuff she said about an all-black waitstaff wearing, like, w like, a white suit and how that was, like, the golden age of America? Like, that's what it was most yeah. offensive to me, and that's what I feel is inexcusable. But is it taken out of context? Could it be not viewed as a, a joke, maybe, in the context? I know with I'm with my best friend, Earl. <laughs> who, you know, I, I, I will kid with him, but that's between me and him. It would not be, it's not the same way 
that he and I would speak if we were talking to the world. But this is an employee that that let that story out. This isn't like a personal friend. She has a yeah, response. Was it started as an employee? So I, I think that the the line between personal friend and employee can be kind of yeah. No, I, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that. I mean, I'm not. I don't think necessarily that she was. I don't know. I just, I would say this, Molly. Hicks said something uh, during the commercial in front of you that most people would have thought he should not be saying in front of a young lady. Now, don't we take it into account? We know Hicks. We know that he would not offend you in any way. Right. He just doesn't know how to express. I mean, he has as much respect for you as anyone else here. But if you went and looked at it on paper, it would seem that he has no respect. No, but I don't story, I think though. it's different because he wasn't calling me that first I know. of all. And also <laughs> he wasn't talking about like he wasn't I don't know. I just I think will it's tell you different. this. There were female members of my family here before. And Hicks had porn up and was actually using the browser to point at their crotch. And I'm like, don't Hicks. This is my family. I'm not making I'm not making this story up no, at all. But I had to point out to him that even though that's a joke that I may laugh at under normal circumstances. See, this is my problem. I sometimes yeah. I, I you know lapse in judgment. Well, we've yeah. talked about realizing. this before. How like sometimes people are offended too easily. And I think that's true. But with this, I feel she's she has had like I, the squeaky clean reputation. She worked for the Food Network and then she goes and makes <laughs> these remarks to her employees. That's just not that's just not good business strategy at the very least. It's definitely I, bad business strategy. And it's a ter you know, I am not in any way saying it's not a big deal what she said. Right. I think it's a huge deal what she said. Really? Yeah, I do. But uh, especially this, the the parts of it that that Molly was talking about. But do I think that these people that are on the television program should be browbeating her as if she was the most disgusting person on the planet? Um, no, I don't. I think that's way out of line, and I think that all of these people who are saying those things to her do not set higher guidelines for themselves. Ke I think they use the word. Kevin, you're on the run of fest show. Hey, boys. Hey. I got a question, and HTV can probably answer this, but when the fuck did the media become so involved in news stories to where they don't even report them? I mean, you look at this case, you look at the Trayvon Martin case. I found out about that case listening to your radio show. Then the media picked up on it. But they're still showing the picture of him being a 12-year-old innocent kid, and it's just not true. Well, so when, the, when, did, when did it happen that the media just fucking turns into, well, this is the story and this is what we're going with? Here's what, here's what the truth of the media is, is that they have to get ratings like anyone else. And if they find out they're doing the Trayvon Martin case and they found out, hey, why you guys are talking about that viewers are tuning out, they would stop doing it. You know what I mean? Like, our biggest problem that we have in this country is that it's a commercial uh, deal to um, the news. If the news was commercial free on each of the networks, then they would probably sit down and do completely different stories. But let, let's say this. Can you do an anti-pharmaceutical story on the news? No, because old people watch the news and drug companies buy the fucking ads. So you're never going to get 
straight news. It's not going to happen that way. They are now putting viral videos on the news. The actual 5 oh, o'clock, they 6 love, o'clock yeah, news. They love, look at this. This cat, <laughs> this cat was thrown out of an airplane. And but they, don't worry. And they love to yell at someone. They love to catch someone else being the bad guy. And just, Shame, shame, yep. shame. Best segment ever. Uh, and if you really looked at it, uh, what Matt Lauer did was to try to get something big out of her. He certainly acted like I'm on the side of the outraged general public. The um, thing that was on Meet the Press last week, where the guy from NBC, whatever his name, something Gregory, was saying to the the English reporter who helped leak the material about the NSA... Should you be held? And you could say that he was on the side of the United States government. Like, it's us. When we went into war, our news people were like, we are going to war. They weren't standing back away from that and reporting news. You know, a lot of times they do this stuff, and they're, because they're on our side, we are supposed to feel good about it. But the news should never be like, hey, it's Christmas time, everybody. Let's take a look at these beautiful... We don't need you to fucking do that for us. And We don't need you to tell us this is the greatest country in the world. Or let's go get them, Yankees. And- Come on, <laughs> Yankees, let's get them. No, just stay away from that. Report it. And everything will build on the last big thing that erupted. So what happened, was it the New York Daily News that was, was outing Twitterers for uh, yeah. having racist Twitters? I think it was stuff? the Post. Okay, Post. the Post. And yeah. every you know that was such a big story that now everybody wants to have that moment where they're screaming, they've caught someone and they're screaming at them. Um, hold on, Mason wants to talk to us from Atlanta. Hey, Mason, you're on the Run of show. Hey, what's up, buddies? Yeah. Hey, so, uh, yeah, one of my fraternity brothers from college actually used to work in one of Paula Dean's restaurants. I can't remember which one, down in Savannah. He used to tell us nightmare stories before all this shit came out about how she would creep into the restaurant through the kitchen in the back, come in, terrorize everybody, start throwing plates, call everyone everything under the sun, bomb through two or three packs of cigarettes, and then walk out to the front of the house and put on her stupid bullshit routine, which she does, and talk to all the guests. I mean, probably not unlike really... most people in the restaurant business. Yeah. Be a dick. Uh, I don't think that, that we're not supposed to say she wasn't driving, you know, uh, her staff. I think we're supposed to say you can't be racist and sexist. Today. How many shows are on TV now where the hero is the guy who comes in and screams at everybody? The male hero. Ma- always the male here. We don't have screaming women because they are a bitch. Yeah. Or a word that Chris Stanley can explain <laughs> to us. But I think it was that's her, to the story I was saying. That's her job to put on that image. When these things come out about how she treats her staff and they're uh, released in court depositions, she's ruined that product of hers, which is her image. So I have no problem with, with what's happened to her. Your problem is anyone who's not <laughs> as nice as they seem to be. No, should be fired. No, I'm I'm saying that it's like well, you brought up, you brought up the example of Mel Gibson, where Mel Gibson has been provocative throughout his career. Her job isn't to be provocative. When she fucks that up, yeah, she's gonna fuck up her sponsors. Well, it, I, that's, I, it's definitely consistent on this. You do love when someone's fired. You love when he someone loves speaks it, he out. He loves to gets, have a torch. Yeah, and be part of the mob. I can't stand it. Let's get her. 
Because we know Fez never says anything sexist about women or has never said anything about any minority groups. He's pretty consistent that way. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's great. I, 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 hate I have, but I'm not trying to sell cookware to America. And what does cookware, selling cookware have to do with anything that, that this is about? doesn't matter whether the cookware is bad or good. Hey, we gotta, we've got to get on the uh, road here. Uh, make sure you go over to the iBang and get your pictures in. Uh, also, an American question is up there. Uh, what is the greatest thing America has provided to the world? Uh, unmasked! Wanda Sykes. Hell yeah. I want to thank my special guest, Neil Diamond, for dropping in here today. You're a diamond in the rough, my friend. <laughs> Longfellow Serenade. Um, anything else I need to uh, plug, push? Oh, a new Pixie single got released in the first time in 10 years. Just went up on the iBang. How is it? I personally really like it. Kim Deal's on, even though she left the band. I wish we would have played this. I wish we would have had time to play it. We could end it with it today. Thanks for answering. <laughs> See you guys Love after it. next week's vacation. And that's the end of our show, Don. <laughs> that's the end of our show, Don.